Merry Xmas. Yo, yo, yo. Hey, I don't think you got a right Santa. the arms race the podcast where we're trying to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history currently by watching each and every sylvester stallone i'm mike olson and i'm kevin keen and today we're discussing rocky five released by mgm united artists on november 16th 1990 starring sylvester stallone talia shire burt young richard gant tommy morrison sage stallone and burgess meredith written by sylvester stallone and directed by john g advilson Rocky Five, not Rocky Five Thousand. No, <laughs> what is even the joke? That's from uh, Spaceballs. It is right? from Spaceballs. I think the joke just was that they were still making Rocky movies all the way into the future, and there were that many. <laughs> Accurate. They're still making Rocky movies today. <laughs> yeah, but they are Creed movies. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so so far Stallone's still in them. You're right. Unclear about uh, Creed Three. Seems like maybe he will not be in Creed Three, but well, unclear as of the recording, this date uh, we're recording this. It's been a long time since I've seen Rocky Five. Yeah, I watched it pretty recently. I probably watched it nine months ago or so. And I have very strong opinions about this movie. And so I'm curious to hear your point of view. Because All right, that, that's interesting. I certainly have opinions. I'm not sure they're that strong. I Okay. Look, it, it's not a movie that I enjoyed. I didn't hate it as much as I thought I did, if, if, if that's the right way to phrase it. Okay, I'll take that as a victory because I'm going to be coming in as the Rocky Five defense squad. Oh, you really? Yeah. I, I think this is much better than people give it credit for. And just the fact that you're coming in saying it's not a bad, like, you didn't hate it. It's certainly not anywhere close to one of the worst movies that we've covered already. And there probably are some bad ones that we'll cover in the future. In terms of the Rocky franchise, it's trash. I mean, I have a pretty strong opinion on that. It's okay. nowhere near as good as probably well, any of the other ones that we've seen. I wouldn't say nowhere nearly. It's definitely on the low end, and I, I've i always gone back and forth between this and Rocky Three's, which is my least favorite. Oh, for me, that's easy. Yeah, I, I, and, and I enjoyed Rocky Three a lot more. Than well, here's the thing. When we covered Rocky Three, I went like, oh, this is better than I remembered. I don't know why I'm so down on it. But then watching Rocky Five, I'm going, this is better than I remembered also. And I'm, I'm kind of on the fence as far as which one I prefer. Rocky Three is probably a better movie. No, it, it is a better movie. I'm, I'm going to remove the probably. It's a better movie. If, I, if I'm choosing the worst Rocky movie... It might be Creed too, but wow, there is no no bad Rocky movie, and I stick to that. <laughs> Creed two <laughs> might him just swoop in. Creed two might be worse than Rocky five. It's very similar. Wow. I have similar problems with them. Well, now I wish you hadn't said that. I haven't seen Creed two well, yet. Now well, maybe you'll but, like it more. I don't know, but it's uh, like a punch in the face. I was really. I'm saying I to just it. said I like every, I like every single Rocky movie. I like Creed two. I like Rocky five. I think these are both good movies, oh. bordering on very good. What? Rocky Five is not a good movie. I think it's a good movie, and I'm going to explain why. Here's here's what I will say about defenses up. Well, I mean, fortify the base. This might be a repeat of Rocky Two, where we got very confrontational. So, um, is this better or worse than Rocky Two? Let me ask you that. This is worse than Rocky Two, but I'm going to tell you right now why. Anything that has Apollo Creed, Carl Weathers is going to be. Yeah, I'll tell you that. That's the biggest weakness in this is is the Tommy Gun. Uh, yes and no. I I think Tommy Morrison is better than I remembered him being. I remember him being a very bad actor. Is he a good actor? No. He's an athlete Trying. who is being asked to play. To do too much. To do too much, you're right. It, and that's not his fault. It's, no. He's, he's 
asked to portray a character arc. He goes from one type of a person and becomes a different type of a person. That's challenging for an experienced actor to portray an arc like that. And does Tommy Morrison rise to the challenge? No. Is he as bad as my memory? No. He is acceptable. (laughs) He manages to skirt by, in my opinion... But I don't think he's the biggest problem with this movie. I, th- I think the character... I meant more the character, not necessarily his acting. Okay. I, I, I'm, you don't think he's an interesting character? There, there's a number of things that I think that are weaknesses to this movie. I think the villain needs to work, and I'm not sure that Tommy Gunn... Tommy Morrison has his issues. Here's where I'll meet you halfway and agree with you. Okay. I went into this... You I was waiting, I was waiting for it. I thought you were going to make a point. You threw it at me, and I, I, you were in the middle of a sentence. I am going to make a point, uh, in that it's, going into this, my memory was that he was just atrocious. Mm-hmm. He was as competent as an athlete could be in the position he was put in. Yeah. That I didn't remember. And this, this is the start of that trend in the Rocky franchise. I think every movie after this, the opponent is a boxer. An actual boxer has been cast to play the part, as opposed to an actor playing a boxer. Right. Um, I believe in every single... Uh, You'd know the series better than me. So. I don't know if that guy in Creed 2 is a bo- I think he's a boxer. Creed 1 is definitely a boxer. Rocky Balboa is uh, Antonio Tarver. So yeah, I think every movie after this, they cast a real boxer to play yeah. the, the, the opponent. So that's a mistake. There's actually, it's funny, there's a there's an interview with Stallone, I think while they were shooting the first Rocky, and it was while they were like choreographing the fight, and they had cameras rolling, and they were just—he was just talking to the camera. And he, one thing that Stallone specifically said is like, you know, the reason why we cast Carl Weathers is because you really need an actor to play this part. You can't just—he's like, get some athlete off the street because they were gonna cast, um, um, oh boy, what boxer George was? Foreman? No, it was not George Foreman. They were gonna cast a '70s boxer, a famous boxer, um, um, Joe um, Lewis. No, Joe Frazier. Oh yeah, Smoking. He did a Simpsons episode, so maybe yeah. maybe he could have done a Rocky movie. Uh, so I think that was originally the plan, and he was just terrible. I think so. Um, so yeah, I don't know why that he let Barney Gumble have it. <laughs> did he? I, I barely Lord remember. Lord Palmer. They, they get oh a, right a disagreement yes. about about who is the, the worst greatest prime minister. Or, yeah, or the, the worst prime minister. Yeah. Lord Palmerstone, the Elder. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know why this franchise made that switch and is starting to cast athletes instead of actors. I think it's a mistake. But I, I think the biggest problem is not Tommy Morrison, who is better than I remember. It's also not Sage Stallone, who is better than I remember. I remember that, you know, I mean, a lot yeah. of people saw that as uh, some nepotism. I, I didn't remember it. I certainly rolled my eyes when the credits were rolling. Okay. Oh, you didn't know it was uh, I didn't Stallone's remember real it. son until no, the I, end? I didn't re- no, I didn't remember it. Okay. I, I remembered him being bad, and I was watching, and, and similar thing, he has an arc. Like, both of these non-actors are being asked to do a lot. I think I'm willing to forgive in both cases because they, they're better than you would think. You know, they're not just totally falling on their face, either one of them. I think they're, they're getting by. It's really a lot to ask of both of those actors, and I don't think that either one of them is the problem with the movie, which is my memory of it was like, yeah, some of those, those performances by non-actors. Coincidentally, sadly, neither of them is with us anymore. It's, yep. it's just one of these weird coincidences. But um, uh, no, I I think the biggest fault of this movie is the first twenty minutes are just so depressing, and it just puts its wrong foot forward. And uh, the rest of the movie, I think, is great. But you're already so put off, and you're just by the time you're twenty minutes in, you're just pummeled. To, I mean, no pun intended. The audience is pummeled <laughs> into submission by all this depressing stuff. 
And I, I just think there there needed to be a better way. They obviously wanted to hit the reset button after the, you know, this is the hangover after the, the amphetamine high that was Rocky IV. <laughs> you know, this is this is inevitable. Uh, you know, if you wanted to get it back to a realistic movie series about a regular guy, not, not a quote-unquote regular guy like you like to point out in Rocky IV, <laughs> I think you had to take a hit. I'm, I'm making all these terrible boxing puns. I apologize. But, you know, the whatever the first movie back to reality was going to feel like a bummer, but they just leaned into it so hard and just made the first 20 minutes such a bummer that I don't think the movie quite recovers. Yeah. I think that's really the problem. For me, I'm okay with the, the bummer aspect. I mean, there's certainly some questions that I have from how we get to be, how much of a bummer it is, yeah. but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. I will go back to is that I enjoyed all of, the the antagonists I think in the other Rocky movies more than what Duke um, and Tommy Gunn ultimately bring. Yeah, I mean I think Duke, the character of Duke, which is a different Duke than uh, than Tony uh, yes. Duke Evers. I wish I like that Duke. This yeah. one not so much. He got a little cameo in this movie. It's, it's nice that at least he gets because he's in every Rocky movie. Yeah, and they get, they even get Mickey back for this. That's one. true. Yeah, Burgess Meredith brought back to the series. That, that was the weakness for me. I mean, I could even handle it being a character, caricature, man, caricature, I cannot say that Just word. Just start the sentence over, I'll cut it. Of um, Don King, but I, that, to me, that's the biggest weakness in the movie. And I yeah. think uh, a sports movie like this, I think that the antagonist is very, I think a villain is important in almost any type of movie. Any type of movie that's going to have a that kind of dynamic, but in a sports movie, I I think they rise and fall based on the antagonist, and I think both are weak in this movie. See, I kind of like George Washington Duke. I I do think the fact that he's a, a basically a parody of Don King hurts the movie because it's it's this is the first Rocky movie that feels like it's commenting on the actual sport yep. on real life, whereas Rocky prior to this felt that like it lived in this kind of fantasy alternate reality. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if uh, that was the best idea. This movie makes some mistakes, but I think there are some moments in this movie that I think are on the level and are of the same caliber of the first Rocky. Okay. I think John Adelson coming back might have helped. I don't know how much of it was his influence, but um, let me put it this way. I don't think any of the subsequent Rocky movies could have existed if they hadn't made Rocky V. It, this is like the George Lazenby of the Rocky series. You know what I mean? Sean Connery stopped, left the James Bond series, and like, well, we got to replace him. Here, here's our new James Bond, George Lazenby, and everybody hated him because he wasn't Sean Connery. <laughs> and he was out the door immediately, and then they finally got Roger Moore, and everyone's like, well, th- thank God, at least he's not George Lazenby. Right? Rocky V is the George Lazenby. Somebody had to take the hit, because Rocky IV is such a cartoon, and... <laughs> You can't keep you can't keep escalating. You can't build off of that. There's no way to go beyond that. So I mean, I, I this is one of my least favorite Rocky movies. There's no doubt about it. But we would never have gotten Rocky Balboa or the Creed movies. I feel strongly about this. We would have never gotten those movies if not for Rocky Five. All right, that's fair. Ready to get into this one? Sure. Let's get started. Right. What day is it? What year? All right. It is November sixteenth, nineteen ninety, and on a forty-two million dollar budget. Uh, Rocky V did just under $120 million in total box office. Which, for a Rocky movie, is a huge failure. Uh, it is, and the domestic was definitely a failure. It was just under $40, $41 million on the domestic. The $79 million of foreign is uh, what, what bailed this one out. So it was not a financial success. Yeah, a five-year gap is a pretty long time for a series like this. Like, 
you know, obviously it was an even longer gap from this to Rocky Balboa, but at least then it was enough time for you to miss it. Yeah. Whereas Rocky, I think, feel like Rocky Five, you'd be like, that they're still making those, you know? They're still making those, and then the people that saw it, it's such, as you said, it's a reset button and had to take the hit, no pun intended. But if you, if you enjoyed Rocky Four, the, the word of mouth from this was going to be the absolute polar opposite in terms of the feeling of the movie. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it was it was a deliberate choice. Obviously, it's yeah. like I'm sure they knew they were going to lose some fans, but yeah. they thought it was the way that they needed to go. So it did not open in its first week as the number one movie in America. There was a, another new entrant that weekend that wound up being an overwhelming success of a movie in 1990 around the holidays. Was it uh, Back to the Future Two? Oh, Home Alone. Home Alone is Mike the number. Did the cheeks thing. I did the annoying cheeks. You got to stop. You got to stop doing visual things no, in this podcast, expecting me to describe it. Uh, <laughs> I will say, having just recently, well, recently, it was actually last holiday season, taking my son to see Home Alone in theaters. I was very excited to be able to go see it in theaters. We oh. own it, but where did, some, where did they show it? Uh, it was in one of the, the one of the theaters here. Uh, we'll show Christmas Vacation. It's a Wonderful Life. A bunch. I like going and seeing movies in theaters. Okay, you know, whatever. It's like a five dollar ticket. How am I not going to go see Home Alone? You get to see a little bit of Christmas Vacation in Rocky Five. In uh, you do get to see a little bit, which brought a smile to my face. I did not remember that. <laughs> uh, Home Alone. I really enjoyed seeing it again. I mean, I really, really enjoyed seeing it again. Good. Yeah, I can see how it might hold up. I mean, it's not. It's certainly got an edge to it. I'm it sure. And there's can... some sappy moments. And to be honest, I, I enjoy, now I'm. I'm like not George like Costanza. George, <laughs> you beat me to yeah, it. I'm not going. like Costanza where the old man really gets to me. But in a certain sense, there are some of the sappy moments. Maybe I'm getting old or whatever. I. I no. enjoyed the sappy moments and the edge moments. I really, really enjoyed still as well. There's nothing wrong with earned sentimentality. It's unearned sentimentality that's annoying. But, you know, when a movie earns it, it earns it. All right. So Home Alone was the number one movie in America with uh, just under 17 million in its opening weekend. And I can tell you, those box office numbers built, which generally does not happen. Sure. But going into the holidays, I kind of fast forwarded on. And these are also from, by the way, uh, the numbers and not box office mojo because I have not. Paid money to Amazon to be able to get these. But I was I, just about to ask. I mean, it sounds like you've got the numbers that you needed. So. Elite, well, yes. I'm not sure it's going to work for all of the movies, so I may have to figure something out down the road. But Home Alone was just an overwhelming smash, which isn't yeah. isn't really news, but it's amazing how well the numbers hold up going and are building on themselves as word of mouth gets around on Home Alone. Yeah. All right, so Rocky Five was number two at uh, just over $14 million. And then there's a major drop-off. It's like those two and nothing else. So in its second week, Chucky, Child's Play 2, is the number three movie in America at just over uh, $5 million. Wait, is that movie called Chucky, Child's Play 2? No, I just... Oh, okay. Commentary. It's child's play. About to say that might actually uh, be relevant later in the, this episode. Yeah, I'm oh. not going to explain why. All right, number four was the Rescuers Down Under. I they, that, that was an animated movie. Yeah, I never said it, saw either of those movies. No, I I remember the Rescuers existed. It must have done well enough to warrant a sequel because this is clearly the sequel. It's like the reverse of Crocodile Dundee. Uh, <laughs> he comes to America. The rescuers go down under. I think you're right. It it also was it must have been a failure for Walt Disney because this was its opening uh, release week and it was number four at like three point five million dollars. Oh yeah, this was like the depths, the pre Little Mermaid depths 
Like that's the movie that kind of saved Disney animation. It was uh, pre before, like the, the decade before Little Mermaid. You know, I know we've mentioned this too and talked about it. It's just amazing to me to think that Disney fell on hard times when you think about what it is today. It could have very easily gone out of business in the eighties. Like it's, it's you, you forget, and now it owns everything. I, it, right? That's the thing. It, it. I mean, it owns everything. Yeah, I signed up for Disney Plus just because it's just like I guess I should. I guess I need to. There's like a whole swath <laughs> of movies that I'll never be able to watch otherwise. Fair enough. At least I've got my Star Wars D or Blu-rays. They can't take those away from me. No, they cannot. Uh, number five is... <laughs> Although they can add new scenes. Have you seen that stuff about my clunky? No. <laughs> I'll show you after the episode okay. or if, if we have time. But they, they, they changed Star Wars again. Apparently, this is a poison pill that George Lucas made a new edit of Star Wars and never released it. But then when they put the movies on Disney+, Plus, they had to use the latest edit. So nine years, George Lucas put a poison pill. Nine years delayed, a new version of Star Wars went up on Disney Plus, where Greedo and you know because Greedo shoots first and all that. Yeah. And now there's a new shot where before Greedo shoots uh, first, he says McClunky, <laughs> and just the internet. It's it's taking the internet by storm. <laughs> it's obviously saying some kind of alien thing, but everyone hears McClunky. It's it's pretty funny. Oh, I do need to see that. <laughs> I, I had right. to bring that up. All right, number five is in its nineteenth week. Ghost is still hanging around. Not surprised. That was a yeah, was absolute a, smash. Won uh, some Academy Awards, as I recall. Uh, yes, uh, three million dollars. Number six, Jacob's Ladder, which I know that movie exists, but I actually don't really know. I've never seen it and don't know what it's about. I I, I know the spoiler about that movie, which is why I've never seen it. It's like ah, this movie's been spoiled for me, so, so I'm not going to bother. Yeah, two point eight two five million, and then it kind of drops off. I don't really recognize. Number seven is Reversal of Fortune. Uh, Number eight, Sibling Rivalry. Don't know it. Number nine, White Palace. And number ten, Quigley Down Under. Now that I notice, apparently, (laughs) yeah, Crocodile Dundee really had an influence. This was, yeah, around the time. America was obsessed with Australia for a couple years, and this was around the time. (laughs) The Yahoo Yahoo Serious Film Film Festival. Festival. Of course. Uh, All right. On the TV front, the 1990-91 TV readings. uh, Cheers is the number one show in America. All right. Uh, Number two is 60 Minutes. Number three, Roseanne. Number four, A Different World. Number five, The Cosby Show is starting to show its cracks. Is wow, it yeah. The, number five. The, the, a different world is beating yep. the show it spun off from. Yeah, not by much, but yes, it is beating it. Number six, Murphy Brown. Uh, number seven, we may have talked about these before because I've had to ask what Empty Nest was. Uh, Empty Nest is number seven. I'm sure by now Golden Girls is off the air. Empty no, Nest. Golden oh, Girls no? is number ten, actually, tied right. with Designing Women. Uh, and in between is number nine is America's Funniest Home Videos and Monday Night Football. So two spinoffs are beating its original. Yeah. Empty Nest was the Golden Girls spinoff. Yes, uh, which I have not seen, but you explained to me that it was just some guy that lived, lived like down the hall from them, right? No, he lived on the street. They lived in a house. Oh, so oh, he, that's was, right. he lived in the a... neighborhood. That's right. And yeah, Sophia would show up a lot on an Empty Nest as like a guest star, <laughs> as I recall. I, I yeah, it was I remember it being a funny show. I actually after we talked about it, I looked up some clips and I forgot he had two daughters and one's like a tough cop and the other one's like, you know, very like super feminine and yeah. it's like, You two daughters are driving me crazy. It was that kind of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> like they're like adult grown daughters, yes. but they, they either they live in the house with them or, or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. All right. So on the history front, the S&P 500 is at 315.29. In November, now I couldn't get a, a date, but in the month of November, the earliest known digital camera ships for sale in the United States. I'll bet those pictures looked awesome. 
They probably didn't, but Kodak, beware. Your days are numbered. I think, didn't someone save Kodak? No, it it, it filed BK. It, the, the entity or name may still be around, but there's, there's Who is, nothing. Maybe it's Eastman. One of them is still around because someone, some, like Hollywood saved one of them just so that they could continue to shoot the occasional movie in 35mm. Oh, like, well, I mean, there may be like a remnants of the company left, but in terms of like, what it, I mean, Eastman, Kodak, you want to talk about juggernaut, like power, like, yeah, yeah. What Disney is today, Kodak was a huge company with you know, massive dividends, and it would have been around this time. It was still churning out the cash. I but. mean, it goes to show you that Disney shouldn't like assume that it will be that size forever. Oh, and I mean, we have a building in this town called the Sears Tower. Right. Well, <laughs> it was, well Sears owned the tallest building in the world once. And Sears was now? the Amazon of its time. Exactly. It just let it pass it. And I mean, to be honest, you can say you know the iPhone doesn't won't always necessarily be what it is because Nokia owned the you know cell phone market for a long period of time yeah there's a lot of disruption in the world and just because you're number one that when we just go back and, yeah. just because you're adding mcclunky to your movies disney doesn't mean that uh, you're gonna be on top forever <laughs> stop it all right on november 1st i thought this was um it's inappropriate material certainly shows how the world has changed but also is tied in perfectly uh based on this being rocky five on november 1st Sandra Miller is awarded $100 from Mike Tyson for an incident in 1988 where Tyson fondled Miller's breasts and buttocks at a nightclub. $100, the world has changed mighty significantly of yeah. what that would look like today. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a separate thing from the, the, the rape allegation, I believe. Oh, yeah. No, it's... Yeah, the, it's it, so that... Clearly, there there were some significant issues. Not surprising. And yeah. somehow, Mike Tyson seems to have recovered from all of that. We're going to see Mike Tyson in, in a movie soon. Maybe you don't remember. No. I guess I'll just spoil it. It's not a big part of the movie. But he shows up in Rocky Balboa, briefly. Oh, I forgot about that. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen uh, it. Which I, I didn't like it. Irregardless of who Mike Tyson is, that mu- that was post The Hangover, right? So uh, I think it's a couple years before. Oh, all right. I, f- I figured that was the reason why. But I don't like it for the same reasons that we talked about, like the idea of the Rocky series merging with real the, boxing. Yeah. Like the, you know, I, I don't like it. I didn't like it for that reason. There's obviously a million other reasons to not like yeah. Mike Tyson being in a Rocky movie. We'll get there when we get there. All right. On November 6th, uh, on the election front here in the United States, the Democratic Party, built on its majorities in both chambers of Congress, picked up uh, a net one seat in the Senate. And the Democrats won the national popular vote for the House of Representatives by a margin of 7.8 percentage points. Uh, On November 12th, a formal proposal to build a hypertext project called, quote-unquote, the World Wide Web as a web of hypertext documents to be viewed on browsers using a client-server architecture is introduced. The first website, which described the project itself, was published on December 20th, 1990. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, the only website that exists is to explain what it itself is. At, I mean, at, at the time, time yeah. I mean, and I, I looked into this a little bit. Unfortunately, I think that that website is is lost. I'm not sure that it actually still. Not That's only is not out there, but I'm I'm not sure if it was even saved anywhere because it is. I mean, it obviously is history, right? I'm not I'm yeah. not sure you can find that because uh, nowadays we have archive.org, which attempts to archive as much as possible of the internet. But I'm sure that site. You mean things like. Biggie Smalls ate my balls. I'm sure that's on archive.org somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I'm so glad that you can act as a witness that that stuff existed. I know that you knew about Chewbacca ate my balls. Well, I found out the original ate my balls was Mr. T. Mr. T was the first person to eat our balls, apparently. That was the original <laughs> one. 
And then there were a million spinoffs. The first one I saw was Chewbacca Ate My Balls. The first one you saw was Biggie, Biggie Smalls. Smalls Ate My Balls. That one's good because it rhymes. I think that might be the best That's one. That's why it's my favorite, yeah. too. All right. On November 15th, President Bush signs uh, the new Clean Air Act, which focused on urban pollution and cancer-causing emissions from industrial sources. On November 26th, the inaugural Billboard Music Awards are held. Janet Jackson and MC Hammer are two of the biggest winners of the inaugural Billboard Music Awards. Wow. I would have thought they would have been, had been going on for a long time. I, I, thought, I thought the same thing. I mean, obviously the Grammys had right. uh, more prestige and a longer run, but yeah. it seemed 1990 did not seem like it was going far yeah, enough back. The Billboard charts go back to like the 50s. Exactly. Yeah. I've, I've had all kinds of the Billboard 100, which we'll get to here in a yeah. moment. Uh, on November 28th, the first female prime minister of the United Kingdom, Margaret Thatcher, resigns after th- 11 years and is replaced by John Major. Wow, she was prime minister for 11 years? Yeah, that, I didn't realize that. It, it seems like today they burn through prime ministers. That's true, <laughs> Like yeah. every six yeah, months. The, the one they have now might not last too much longer. <laughs> Boris, it doesn't look good for him. No. It was a mistake. You think I thought this all was going to happen? Uh, on November 29th, the United Nations Security Council passes UN Security Council Resolution 678 authorizing military intervention in Iraq if that country did not withdraw its forces from Kuwait and free all foreign hostages by Tuesday, January 15th, 1991. Yeah, I was going to say it was early 91, so that makes total sense. Yep. I wouldn't have thought. If you had said what was going on in the news in late 1990, I would have never in a million years said uh-huh. the Gulf War, lead up to up. the Gulf War, but yeah, yeah. it makes total sense. Uh, all right, and then rounding out, the New York Times bestseller is The Plains of Passage by Gene Owell. I looked it up. It is a historical fiction book that is part of a, actually an, uh, a series, the Earth's Children series. I think it was a four-book series. Hmm. My big question is, is, how has that not been adapted into a movie or TV show at this point? What was it called? The Plains of Passage. And I think historical fiction, it's like thir- like thousands of years back in history, not you know like the 1940s or something. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's the kind of thing that can be turned into a miniseries sometime. Like you think something. so, HBO or somebody. Yeah. Or, uh, Netflix seems to churn out something every 30 seconds, so you'd think that they would have at this point. Right. Uh, and then finishing up, the Billboard 100 is Love Takes Time by Mariah Carey. It's always an artist that I <laughs> thought I would know their catalog pretty well, but then it's always, you're always naming a song. Yeah. Like, oh, do I know that one? I'll tell you right now, that Mariah Carey, I did not know at all. And, uh, maybe even if you heard it, but uh, as usual, we're, we're left scratching our heads. All right. I thought I knew music pretty well. But again, it's always like the poppiest, like main, most mainstream stuff. I would have never listened to that, I'm sure, when I was in 1990. Nope. All right. All right. Big picture. On to the big picture. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. All right. The big picture, which is a segment of the show where we discuss the plot of the movie. Yeah. You want to take your two-sentence crack right. with this? Uh, here, goes, here goes Mike's take. Rocky Balboa comes back from Russia and has managed to be robbed by his financial advisor of millions of dollars in a matter of months. He can't fight anymore to make money because of medical reasons, so the Balboas head back to the old neighborhood. He continues to be a terrible father to his son while training a robot not named Seiko to be a champion (laughs) fighter. I was going to bring up that parallel if you had, and I'm not surprised <laughs> you beat me to it. I'm nobody's robot. I'm tired of being called a robot. That might have been... Brought the biggest smile to my face watching the movie. Oh, since we're talking about it, I'll just jump way ahead. But I had this in my questions. Do you think that it, it became like a legend among the local sports writers that Rocky owned that robot, and so now 
you know, because I'm sure they all knew when Rocky owned this robot. He's he's <laughs> the most famous sports figure in Philadelphia. Of course he is. So I'm sure all those sports writers knew they he owned that robot. They've been out to his house. They've uh, maybe not all of them, but some of them had been to his house, yeah. talked to him, and the ones who hadn't had heard the tales. Weird. <laughs> Rocky Balboa owns a robot. A robot that's Paulie's girlfriend. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who knows if that got out? That might have been too scandalous. But yeah, when you see all those newspaper articles calling Tommy Gunn Rocky's robot, oh, they're and, they're zinging a little bit. Yeah. It's Seiko secretly. That's a riff on the fact that they all know that he once owned a robot. <laughs> the fr- yeah, the first guy who got that in copy, he thought it was really clever and was like, this is fantastic. <laughs> and then everybody else was like, how did this guy? So they just ran with it, and everybody was then calling him Rocky's robot. Well, what's funny is rarely in – I mean, I, I've got all the newspaper articles. We can cover them later. But, I, but rarely in those newspaper articles do they refer to Tommy Gunn by name. He's always Rocky's robot, Rocky's protege, whatever. <laughs> So if you actually read those headlines... It could have been Seiko. It could have been Seiko. You might get the... If you knew that Rocky owned a robot and you just saw an article <laughs> saying... so confusing. <laughs> right. You just see an article saying, Rocky's robot wins you know, 11 and 0. <laughs> like, wait. You're thinking to yourself, I thought Seiko just brought birthday cakes. I didn't know it even had arms that could punch. Seiko could kind of punch. I guess. This is really shows. We're still talking about Seiko. We're, on, we, we're past Rocky 4 not? now. We, can't, we have to stop talking about Seiko. Uh, there, there will at least be one more... <laughs> Point of discussion I have about Seiko. Oh, okay. We'll get there. Are you going to bring up Seiko in every no, no, late, later, later on in this discussion? That's all. No, but I'm saying when we do Rocky Boboa, are we still going to be talking about Seiko the robot? I probably will. <laughs> okay, no, that's fine with me. Don't you don't have to apologize. All right, so that was my three sentence recap. Uh, what would you like to expand upon? Well, I, I mean, think that was a pretty good recap, by the way. Sure. I mean, it's uh, you know obviously. It, I don't think you touched on his relationship with his son, for instance. Uh, I did. Oh, you did. You did. You said he was a bad father. At least this movie yeah. acknowledges. This is the movie that comes to terms with the fact that Rocky's a bad father and actually addresses it. He's been a terrible father. He has. And I think this movie, it's one of the reasons I kind of liked it this time is because of our podcast. We've been talking about how we think Rocky's kind of a bad father and how I think this movie is actually kind of reckoning with that. In a real way. I will give it credit for that. I'm, I'm not sure the reconciliation I buy that it's yeah. realistic, but I will, I will give it credit that they at least went back and looked at the, the catalog and said, oh, man, we, we've got a really bad precedent here, and we've got a protege kind of angle. This is a good way to acknowledge, yeah, he's a terrible father. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say he's a terrible father. He's, he's, he means well, but he is so self-centered that he is oblivious to his the needs of his son. <laughs> Should that be surprising when he's been called the kid for how many right. years? We finally get the name in this movie. Yes. It's thrown away as if we'd known the whole time. He's like, oh, I'm Robert. And like the movie makes no big deal about it. It's like, <laughs> as, if, as if we've known. There was but, no way for anybody to know. No. But yeah, we finally know his name. Yes. Three movies. <laughs> he was introduced in Rocky 2. Here we are in Rocky 5. Finally get to learn his name. He is a junior. Um, yes. Well, I mean, I, I guess technically Rocky's real name is Robert, and he's, Rocky's like a nickname for Robert, but I, I, I've never known a, Rob, a Robert to go by Rocky. Neither do, neither. But I, I guess that's an option. If you're named Robert, you can go by Rocky. Really so. Um, no, I, I want to touch on the, the specifics, particularly the first 20 minutes. All right, let's do it. It starts off with the end of the previous movie, like all Rocky movies do. I think this is the first time that the movie actually kind of changes the meaning of what we're seeing. Because, you know, in Rocky, the start of Rocky 2, we're just seeing the end of Rocky 1. Start of Rocky 3, we're seeing the end of Rocky 2. There's no real, like, changes, no, like, attempts to, like, reframe it. This is the first time, even though we're, it's similar in that we're seeing the events of the prior movie. Yeah. Rocky 4 is showing this fight to be, like, a huge victory for Rocky. And the way this movie shows Spends it. it that it's, 
I, I really I really love the way the start of Rocky Five shows the Drago fight because it feels totally different, and it you know obviously this movie goes on to show that Rocky got some real like paid the price damage from this fight, and the, the way that it isn't the movie, it kind of isn't that damage kind of thrown away in Rocky Balboa. <laughs> Yes and no. Uh, I mean, I, that, <laughs> Whatever, they I do mention. I mean, this is we've 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 said before this this series frequently, you know, the, the mysterious disappearing maladies of Rocky Balboa. He had a bad eye that hasn't been mentioned for several movies now. You know, he must is, have Homer Simpson syndrome. He could just get walloped on all day by a surgical two by four. Well, I think not, not to excuse you know Rocky Balboa. We'll talk about when we get there, but. Yes, it's a thing that you can't just gloss over. That he has this, you know, he's essentially a CTE. Yeah, you call it now CTE. What was it? Said? Something encephalopathy. I, I don't know the actual like medical term, but it's it's a thing that American football players get a lot. Yes, uh, and so it's actually like very much a topic of conversation among American like in American sports news. Yep. Um, there was that movie about it with Will Smith. What was that called? Concussion or something? I think I think it was just concussion. Okay. So, you know, I, even today, I don't think we know much about, like, the brain and how the brain works. I could see uh, 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 some kind of, like, thing we'll where explain it, away. it gets better over time and, you know, brain injuries. Uh, I don't no. think CTE get you. I think it deteriorates and you only get worse over time. But whatever. Okay. We'll throw it away. The, I, I do agree with you that changing it, especially of where you, this movie is headed, you do need to reframe it the way they did and show, no, that this has been... It might have been a victory, but there was a high, very high cost for yeah. that victory. And I like the way this movie is continuing to show Drago as like this like monster that lives in Rocky's mind. In a way, like he keeps flashing to him like every time he gets like a headache or whatever, yeah. he's, he sees visions of getting hit in the head by Drago. And like Drago is way scarier the way he's depicted in this movie. And first of all, it's cool to, that he he's continuing on like his presence is actually throughout this movie yep. even in the final fight you're getting shots of drago and uh he's terrifying like you know he was pretty terrifying in rocky 4 but the way rocky 4 is you know rocky's gonna be fine and obviously this movie is the total opposite and i, I like that i like the way it makes you look at the fight from rocky 4 differently i don't like the way that it's it's two things at once because he loses all his money and he has brain damage and that's just one too many things do you have the? Oh, you don't have the Debbie Downer button. Do you want to hit that button just for this screen for this twenty minutes? I mean, there's no murder or death, yeah, but just, uh, yeah. Well, there's Mickey. He's dead. Well, he's been dead for a while. That's true. If anything, he's, his ghost is back. So you know, that's good news. I'll hit the button at your request. Oh, death and grief and sorrow and murder. It is a pretty downer twenty minutes. Yeah, I mean, it does culminate in I think one of the best scenes in the entire Rocky franchise. This is why I, I think there are a couple of individual scenes that I love so much. And, you know, he loses all his money. He gets his terrible, you know, uh, diagnosis by the bra salesman from Seinfeld. I don't know if you noticed that. Yes, I did. I figured you Sid would. Sid Fargus? Yes. Is that his name? I don't even remember his That's name. It's Sid Fargus. <laughs> of anybody to give that diagnosis. <laughs> Sorry, Rocky. You got the bra salesman. This is before, I think. Maybe not. Uh, it's before. Yeah, yeah, I think it's so. Before. And Seinfeld was on at this time, but this is before. The very early season. Yeah. The bad season. Um, eh, no, whatever. Nah, that but, first season's not good. No, but I'm, uh, this is probably season two or three, 1990. Two at the, at the absolute Maybe. latest. But not, it, not important. Yeah. Um, but I, I, the whole thing is this like slide into despair and like Rocky... He goes back to the old neighborhood. This is before they even move back. He goes to the old neighborhood and gets drunk and starts smoking again. And he's wearing all his old clothes. And it's tough to watch. But then he goes into, into Mickey's gym 
and it's just deserted. And the memory of Mickey, I, I think that's such a great scene. I love that scene of I, him remembering Mickey. And I agree, and some of it's because Burgess Meredith is a good performer, and it's yes. a great character. So that is one thing that certainly was missing from 4. There was a lot to love about 4 in a different way. Yeah. And Mickey, to be honest, Mickey probably was not a good fit for Rocky 4 in the... No, that would have been weird if Mickey was there in Russia. Like, what? What would he have? No, I, I can't even imagine it. But just his, because that movie is so over the top and yeah, propaganda. Frankly, Mickey doesn't fit in there. This movie, I think he fits fully and was a good. Even I'm mean, whatever. It's flashback ghost type stuff. It's a great performance and fits really well with the the feeling of the movie. Yeah, and the whole scene of like because it's a flashback. Too. I, I, it's not clear if it's before the first or second Apollo Creed fight, but you know. I think it was the first one, but <clears throat> probably. But the speech he gives and just like you know, you're gonna go down. You're gonna feel me on your soldier saying, "Get up, you son of a bitch!" Get up, you son of a bitch! Uh, it gives me chills. I I love because Mickey loves you. Mickey loves you. I want to talk about that later, but let's, let's save it for later. But it, it genuinely gives me chills. I think it's one of the best scenes in the series, not just in this movie. And there's a couple other things I like, too. But anyway, they have, they have to move back to the old neighborhood. And this is where Robert... Adrian's even got her glasses. I mean, everything. Yeah, some of that is a little... That's ridiculous. Some of that's a little mechanical of, like, we've got to get every single thing back to where it was in Rocky 1. She's got her glasses back. She's working at the pet shop again. He's got his old clothes and his hat back. You know, they're living in Polly's house from the first movie. It's a good thing he kept it. Yeah, it is a good thing he kept it. Yeah, that's, all you, that's all you very need. mechanical. Like, you know, I know that you're trying to recapture the feeling of the first movie, but you, not every single detail has to be exactly how you because left Because if it. you're gonna if you're gonna have every detail, what I my biggest beef of him going back to the old neighborhood, where was his old boss? Yeah, that's true. Well, that, I, the, I don't know when Joe Spinell passed I, away. He may have passed away, but I mean, I, maybe out of respect for the actor, you wouldn't have gone and recast it. Yeah. But it seems like you could have had somebody else. You know, I, he clearly he had a crew right that was working for him. So have somebody else. I, if you're if you're going to go down that path, I would have liked to have seen maybe that been played up a little bit more. I agree, especially like Paulie. You know, yeah. Paulie wanting to go and do that work again. Yeah, he didn't. He only did it for the one movie. Right. He was only he involved in the, the criminal lifestyle in uh, Rocky Two. He actually, I think he was pretty good at it. it. Seemed like I remember saying that seemed like the the peak of his life. Oh, is yeah. when he was uh, doing the collection work in the dock. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, this is the first Rocky movie since 2 to acknowledge that Rocky has a criminal past. It's very briefly talked about, and it's only kind of used as an excuse for why nobody wants to hire him as a pitch man anymore, because yeah. all this information came out about his criminal past, I guess. It's so, a, I think, it, yeah, it's the hiring him as a pitch man, but I thought, too, doesn't it get woven in a little bit about the boxing license, or was that just the medical? Maybe it was just the medical I think that's issue. just the medical license. Yeah, I guess you're right, because uh, he's already had boxing licenses, so never mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he would he would need to get a, a reexamination in order to renew his license, probably, yeah. or something. But yeah. before we move on to the rest of the movie, because I do I do treat this opening twenty twenty five minutes as kind of its own separate thing. It's, it's all set up to get Rocky to get everything back to the way it was in Rocky One, you know. And it's it's it is very mechanical. Yeah, that's the first act. Yeah, and I think this is the worst stuff, and it really puts its wrong foot forward because my biggest problem with the that that stuff, frankly, and you're talking about like not having interesting villains. The biggest villain in this movie is some unseen accountant that we never get to know who he is or, you know. I, I've got a lot. In that. That's actually what I probably cover most of my notes is about that guy. Okay, well, we can talk a lot about it. I have a lot to say about that, too. But, like, why don't we at least get to know who he is? Like, this guy's 
stole all of Rocky's money. Or he like he tried to flip it. He invested. He foolishly it. invested it. Yeah, it, it's it's the same thing uh, in uh, Casino Royale that uh, Le Chief does. Yep. If you remember, he, he takes some criminal's money and tries to flip it, and then he loses it all, and it's just like, oh, well, now, yeah, now you're in trouble. Well, Bond screws up his That's true. His plan. Yeah, he, he, he foils his plan to blow up an airliner. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess uh, in that case, you know, Le Chief gets what he deserves. Unclear if this accountant, like, we don't even really get to know the resolution of this. Like, nope. presumably Rocky doesn't, there's no money left to recover. Well, see that, we can, we can get there. I, right, I we ha- can, maybe we can just save this for I, I, I have some issues on the, I'd say, I'll call it the business and litigation side. That right. There's some liberties taken. But I also let's, understand it's a movie. I get it. Let's save the details for later. But I, I think it's a real mistake to just have this guy be off screen, unseen. We never even get his name. Just some guy that, that Paulie uh, hired. Yeah, that Paulie uh, foolishly told Rocky to sign over a power, power of attorney. Big surprise. Um, it really, I really think this movie goes about the process of getting Rocky back to the old neighborhood the wrong way. I think there's a way. There's probably a way to do it that wouldn't be so mechanical and such a bummer. Because once they move back to the neighborhood, everything forward, everything from that point forward, I enjoy this movie a lot. I really do. Maybe this is an episode where we need to spend some time trying to rewrite something. I'm not sure. How do you get him back to the old neighborhood without something that's pretty much a downer? Well, I think this is a thing that I think happens to real athletes. And considering that he bought a robot in the previous movie, I think you can make this. You put it on Rocky's shoulders. He just overspends. He was not good with money. We saw in Rocky 2, he's not good with money. So what you're saying is he drove past too many windows with tiger jackets. Yes. We've seen the precedent on a much smaller scale. You know, it, it's kind of letting Rocky off the hook where you know, this is a thing that happens to athletes all the time. And I think it could have very easily, it's very plausible that it's a thing that could have happened to Rocky considering how much he is spending in the previous two movies. Uh, you know, is he robot rich? Is he too Lamborghini rich? Yes, he's rich, but I don't know how rich. Is that something we've just made up now, robot rich? I mean, I, maybe I have. You got to be pretty rich to own an autonomous uh, robot that's capable of falling in love with your your uh, brother-in-law. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I buy that a professional prize fighter can get that rich. <laughs> I I buy that he can get wealthy and have a nice house and you know nice cars, but you know robot rich. I don't know. Well, I think he was overspending and it, didn't realize it, it actually he was burning through it. That probably is a better way to get there. And you probably yeah. could even have the angle of why he winds up going back to the neighborhood is that. Maybe there were too many hangers on that he that he takes care of, and that happens all the time. That's where a lot of that money gets burned is funding the lifestyle of family and hangers on, you know, from the neighborhood for a lot of those athletes. And maybe then he then chooses to turn it back around and goes back to the neighborhood because he wants some of those people to basically take care of him now that they burn through his money. Yeah, I mean, in this case, there aren't a lot of hangers on established in the series. Rocky's but, not, not the kind of guy to like collect. You know, There's not, but acquaintances. you. But I, you, maybe you're right. Maybe that doesn't work. I. I just seemed like he was just spending the money on himself <laughs> and, and his family. Yeah, I think that would have been more interesting because then it would have. You know, he would have owned up to it then too. Exactly. I mean, it, in in many ways, this movie feels like a reckoning for Rocky Balboa. So why not be financial? Exactly. As well? Yeah, because I mean, he he faces a reckoning for his boxing career of all the trauma that his brain has suffered. He faces a reckoning with his family son. and the way yeah. he's treated his son all these years. Why not make it his fault? You know, and just have him atone in every See, aspect of it. It might be, but I think if you if it was that way and you watched it, then what you'd say is, this is BS. I love Rocky. They're piling on too much. Everything no, is this guy's fault. I love Rocky. I do love Rocky, but I don't, I don't want him to be let off the hook when he's behaving badly. I agree with you, but what I'm saying is if it were all three, I think you'd say, this is, unfair. This is being unfair to Rocky 
they're just piling on this guy. It would have still, still been a bummer, but at least it would have been a bummer that has some narrative stakes that you can you could use and have it be a point of tension among the family that you know Rocky lost all their money and how does this how does this affect his relationship with Adrian and you know because that dimension isn't there there's just nothing narratively interesting about like ah some crook stole all his money you know it's some off-screen guy there's nothing narratively interesting about it i think that you could have done something really interesting with with it if Rocky was you know responsible for losing the family's money? I do agree with you. I think that that would have been a, a better approach, but that's not what they chose. Yeah. So uh, maybe now we should move on to the actual villains in the movie, which is George Washington Duke, and eventually the Tommy Gun. Yes, because uh, I mean du- Duke is established early. He he is uh, representing Union Kane. I forget. Yeah, you talk about just throwaway. Poor Union Kane. I do like Union Kane a lot. Just for for whatever reason, that guy makes me laugh. His voice kind of makes me like that bum balboa. Another another real boxer who is not an actor, and in this in his case, his bad acting kind of makes me laugh because oh, it's a small good. it's a small enough part that it doesn't matter. That he's a bad bad actor. Who cares? Um, but yeah, it's just like balboa. I'm just as good as you ever were. I want a shot of the title. He's just boy oh boy, the most robotic. <laughs> just reading it right off the yeah, cards. That guy cannot act, but I kind of enjoy how bad he is because yeah, like I said, he's a it's a small part. Did we ever talk about and think about the? Of having Union Kane as one of the uh, on the the spectrum of the Rocky ratings, no, because Rocky never fights him. Oh, that's right. So you're right. Uh, he's yeah. not an opponent. He's not you're an right. opponent he's, of Rocky Balboa. He's a wishful opponent, but yeah. never actually gets to be an opponent as you're much right. as he wants to be. Because yeah, uh, Duke is kind of once he finds out that Rocky is back living in the old neighborhood, he he tries to kind of you know goad him into back into the ring. I think I think Duke just wants to promote a Rocky Balboa fight. He he sees dollar signs there. If I could be the promoter of Rocky Balboa's last fight, that would be a huge windfall for me and he's trying to manipulate everything. Everything he does is in service of trying to make that happen. Which so I I have questions about that too. Yeah, I mean I, I mean, we could talk about the details later, but I think for the most part I buy it. You know, I mean, for whatever reason, he's just fixated on this, and he thinks, you know, and partially, I think, is because a guy like Union Kane, the movie makes clear, he's a bum. He's got so much glass in his jaw, he should be a chandelier. <laughs> so, you know, I that think is a great line. Duke knows that this guy is not, you know, I mean, he ends up winning the, the championship belt, but I mean... All the, right, Union, I guess you're the winner by default. <laughs> right. We never get to learn who he fought to win the title. They apparently just pitted the top two contenders because Rocky mean. retires and you know vacates the belt. As much as Duke's trying to goad Rocky back in the ring, Adrian, Adrian is talks keeping him, him at, at bay. Yeah, and and uh, I will say another thing I like about this movie is Talia Shire. I gave her a very hard time in Rocky Three and talked about how bad her performance is in Rocky Three. I think she's great in Rocky Five. I really like her. Performance. Most there, there's a couple of things where she. She's kind of, I don't know, yelling and... Yeah, but it's not like Rocky Three where she was yelling, we got cars, we got money! Here she... Money! Money! Got- yes. Here she's yelling about things that make sense for her to be yelling. When she's like, you know, later in the movie, we're skipping a little bit, but it's like when she's yelling at Rocky, like, you know, you may think you... You may feel great when Tommy is winning, but you're losing everything. You're losing your family. You know, if you want to pass something on, pass it on to your son. But for God's sake, your son is lost. I think that scene. I think That's she kills it in that scene. Yeah. And she's yelling, but I, you know, she's. It's emotional. It's not just we got cars, we got money, money. <laughs> so I, I want to praise her. I want to go out of my way to praise her um, because I think she's great in this. It's funny because in, in 1990, also, and this is a similar movie that has similar reaction. 
uh, I watched the entire Godfather series recently, and I I remember thinking she was very good in the Godfather three, which also came out in nineteen ninety, and it was also a sequel that was much maligned. You may be right about that. I'm not willing to go back and watch it again. Fair enough. Confirm. It's not a good movie. It has a similar problem of putting it the wrong foot forward. It has a, a terrible opening, you know, sequence. Um, the, the two movies actually have a lot of similarities. One of the similarities is that Talia Shire is giving a great performance in a movie that nobody liked. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's too bad for her. She had a great year and the, the movies were, were, were not good. Uh, it's a bummer, but I, I like her in this. I really do. Anyway, let's, uh, so then along comes yeah. Tommy Gunn. Tommy Gunn is just hanging out outside the, apparently Rocky decides to open up the gym again, which is a, a thing that she's kind of glossed over. Right? It's glossed over where he gets the money and the ability to, cause it's, in disrepair. I mean, it's not. It's not like it looks great when it's opened back up, but yeah. there still is money that's needed to get that thing back up and running. Well, I mean, uh, this is another the detail I have later, but it's worth talking about now because uh, Mike is back from the first movie. You remember, like yeah. the, the gym rat Mike, who was like Mickey's assistant. He's he's back in this movie, not reintroduced in any way. He's just there now. Um, Maybe he never left. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was imagining, much like Sylvester Stallone's character in the Orange Julius sketch, where they found him in the back trying to sell him a cup of nails. I think you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> I think Mike's been living there the whole time, and it's like, oh, we own this place. We're going to open it back up. And he's like, oh, I'll, I'll clean it up for you. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll start clean working. it up and I'll get to work. Yeah, I'll train your son how to fight. So Tommy Gunn just really wants a shot. He's, he's followed Balboa his entire life, and he he wants Rocky to teach him what he knows. Yeah, presumably he's come to Philadelphia specifically to find Rocky. Oh, yeah, yeah, from, I, from Oklahoma. Yeah, I don't think he ever says that explicitly. But I no, think it's but I, I think it's implied and, and doesn't need to be said. Yeah, so Rocky takes Tommy into his home. Well, technically, Paulie's home. It's kind of uh, he's he's really uh, being generous with a house he doesn't actually own. He is, but at the same time, Paulie made the selection on the accountant. Paulie, <laughs> that's true. If Paulie didn't owe Rocky almost everything in the world before, which he really did, yeah, he did. He certainly does now. Yeah, if he didn't turn over the deed to Rocky immediately, I think. I mean, uh, really, the only thing that Paulie probably lost in the entire process was his girlfriend Seiko. Every <laughs> yes. Rocky lost a lot more in that accounting scandal. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't think Paulie technically lost anything. His, you know, He's there was a firewall. He didn't lose his house. His <laughs> house in the old neighborhood. He still owns it. He didn't lose it. So and he was probably paying the taxes with Rocky's money. Probably, yeah. You know, I mean, he's uh, he's been on the payroll. He's been on the dole. I mean, you're, you're right. When you were talking about hangers on earlier, and, I mean, Paulie is the epitome of that. What does he? What what value does he add? Clearly, negative value. He lost he lost Rocky all his money. Paulie's <laughs> net present value has a massive negative number. It's like he if if Rocky was a, a corporation, a single employee, Paulie. <laughs> Uh, lost the, they put Paul the entire the company entire operation <laughs> yeah. down. Yeah, and he anyway. still kept the. He still stuck with him. That's the thing. You think you think <laughs> Rocky would be like loyalty? Yeah, I don't want to talk to you again, Paulie. No, he's still his no, friend. He moves in with him. <laughs> he does. So I guess maybe it's out of desperation. But anyway, uh, yeah. Tommy's Rocky agrees to manage Tommy. And meanwhile, Robert. Rocky Jr. Yes, who is struggling to adapt to his new neighborhood, his new school. Yeah, there's a number of things about Robert's character, particularly some of the dialogue that he's given that is quite annoying. Yeah. But that that said, he's having a difficult time adjusting to his new school and bullies were a lot different back in the 90s. Well, you know, these are movie bullies, that not too. really. And one of the the bullies is uh, Kevin Connolly, future director of Gotti, the motion picture. <laughs> 
So worth noting that's that. That's what you know him as? Well, obviously he was an entourage and a million things, right. but that's that's mostly what I know him for now. <laughs> the it's director a, of God. It's a noteworthy movie. I still have not seen it. Is it really that much it's, fun? It's that bad that he will forever be the director of Gotti now. It's so bad. <laughs> I feel like I really need to see it. You should see it. You would you would enjoy it in the same way that I did, which is right. it's because you like mob movies and you yes, also I like do. terrible terrible <laughs> movies, so you'd have the same the reaction. Venn diagram, as me. right? Exactly. Um, so yeah, Robert's having a difficult time adjusting and just desperately wants his dad to provide him some guidance, but his dad is far too busy with his boxing son yes. programming his robot. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of montages. I imagine <laughs> Rock with like some punch cards, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, punch, punch someone intended there. Yeah, pu- punch cards, yeah. It took me a second. I almost missed it. Thank you. That was a nice pun. Anyway, yeah, there's a couple montages in the Rocky style. I like these montages. Well, another thing that I remember disliking about this movie is the music. And the reason why I think I had a bad impression of the music in this movie is because I own the soundtrack. And the soundtrack is full of terrible music that is not in the movie. Really? So, I wonder the, why they did that. I mean, this is at the time when like movie soundtracks were like big business, and you would you know they just jam stuff in there. You know, well speaking, it's like Last Action Hero, MC Hammer, Slater Five, the soundtrack. I, that those kinds of deals were happening all the time to the point where there are two MC Hammer songs on the soundtrack of Rocky Five. No, they're not. You only can hear a little bit of one in the background of one of the really? Ro- Robert Bully scenes. Oh yeah, there are two MC Hammer scenes. There's a lot of like really terrible late '80s hip hop, and I like hip hop, but like. In the late '80s, that was like in its primordial stage, hip hop. It was it's it's a lot of bad music on the soundtrack. Almost none of it is in the movie. So I, I actually kind of like. I mean, the movie has some of that, some of that kind of like hip hop flavor. Um, you know, especially in the montages where it, it does. But let, let me just say this: the the song and go for it. Oh, see, not I not good. I like I not like it. it at all. Uh, I like both of the songs in the montages, although they sound almost identical because both of them are sampling Eye of the Tiger. Yes. So they sound almost the exact same, but there's two distinct songs that sound so similar because they're both the sampling Eye of the Tiger. Well, I'm I like di- them both. I'm going to disagree. Go for it felt forced and just... Come on. To be good. or not to be, that's the question. Are you going to stop or keep on rushing? Farther, faster, quicker than the next man. Something, something, the master plan. <laughs> I listen to the Rocky soundtracks a lot. <laughs> I like that song. I think it's a good song. I can tell. It's got a lot of energy. It, it's a good montage song. And then the other one is Keep It Up, which is a very similar song, but that's the montage where things are falling apart. I remember that one. Keep It Up. Oh, keep yeah. It up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's also rapping in that one, but I don't remember the lyrics to that and one. And you get a bunch of newspapers with Rocky Robot. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that stuff later. But uh, I, I like the way, I mean, it, it covers Tommy Gunn's uh, career pretty quickly. It's yeah. two quick montages. One is the ascent, and one is the, the ship is sunk, rocket sunk. Uh, yeah, the, sec- the second montage is Rocky. Paulie does have some good stuff in this movie. This movie has some funny stuff. It's so depressing at the start that it, you feel overwhelmed, but yeah, there's, there's funny stuff. Well, we're getting to my favorite scene in the entire movie. Okay. You can't predict what it is? Because at, at their low point... Christmas comes around. Oh, I, I was going to ask if it was at Christmas. It was a Christmas. This, what, this will por- be going up around Christmas time, so yeah, this will be our Christmas what episode. What portion of it is your favorite part? Maybe this is the only thing that I find funny, and I would play a clip, but for some reason, the copy protection of the Blu-ray does not like my PC, so I can't play the clip. All right. Um, which is fine. We don't play clips anymore anyway, but I, I wanted to play this clip. I love Christmas at the Balboa's 
it is Santa? It, it starts yes, Polly as Santa. Sam, Polly as Santa is pretty awesome. No, it, it's it's even before that though. It's Rocky and Adrian being cornball parents, being like, "Do I hear reindeer on my roof?" <laughs> and Rocky comes down the stairs. You know what happened? I got landed and he just crashed down there. Like, Who do you think it is? And then and then Adrian's like, "Do I hear reindeers on my roof?" And he goes, "You know, uh, Rantlers, uh, unbelievable! It's like a billion gibberish, vaguely Christmas themed gibberish. It is the funniest <laughs> thing in the world to me." He says, "Rantlers." I didn't notice Rantlers. <laughs> he just blurts out, but Rantlers! <laughs> Rantlers is the funniest thing in the world to me. Every time I watch this movie, I laugh longer and harder at it. <laughs> and every time I watch this, I'm going, here comes Rantlers. I love Rantlers. <laughs> I think that should be on your tombstone. I love Rantlers. <laughs> I do love Rantlers. Because you can kind of tell, like, he's he's trying to describe Santa's reindeer, but it just comes out, Rantlers. See, what, God, what's I funny is that talking it through, that is a great sequence. For me, my favorite sequence and the funniest, and I, I've got this in here, so I'm I'm stealing from my, my future product here. All right. But the absolute, like, comedy roast that the press conference, <laughs> the press conference, the yeah, press the conference <laughs> is amazing. The most adversarial press conference in the history of the world. It is because it's not even like I can understand if, you know, there, there sometimes is, you know, one you know reporter that an athlete might have an adversarial relationship with. It's, a, <laughs> it's the entire room yeah. is just roasting Duke and, and Tommy Gunn. Tommy Gunn has more of a fight in the, in the press uh, room than he does in the, in the ring. And they end. <laughs> talk about showmanship. That guy ends on the high note. Hey, why don't you get him to fight the red down in front? Yeah. Just Cause, cause, a haymaker at the end. I have some theories about that, which we can get into. But, I mean, to back up a little bit, because Tommy kind of says he's, he's going to sign with Duke and he's leaving Rocky behind. Yeah. Then he wins the title. And then that's the press conference after he wins the championship. Yeah, that everybody says you didn't beat anybody. Union Kane had more glass in his yes. jaw than his chandelier. Um, but, yeah, I mean, starting with the Christmas scene, because that's really what, where everything happens is – Things come to a head with Rocky and his son. Tommy comes by and says, I'm signing with Duke. And, you know, that's when Adrian gives a speech about you're losing your family. And that's when Rocky kind of apologizes. Actually, it's, I think, kind of noteworthy. that This this is the moment, I think, where the movie, the series realizes that Rocky has, he's not, has not behaved always the best in ways that we've discussed in the past. And he apologizes for the way he's behaved, which I think is kind of striking. He doesn't seem like the kind of character who would do that. Yeah. And he reconciles with the son, and then, then, then we go to the, the fight with the, you know, Tommy wins the title. I like that sequence, too, with Rocky watching the fight on TV, and he's hitting the heavy bag. Wailing on the bag. I, I really like that scene. That's yeah, a good scene. Um, yeah, and then because he was so humiliated by the press, Tommy decides he wants to pick a fight with Rocky. <laughs> because, well, it, but all this is being manipulated by Duke. And I may as well just talk about my theory now. Is my theory is all of those reporters are in Duke's pocket. Because Duke is trying to manipulate things so that there will be a reason for Tommy to challenge Rocky because they keep telling him, oh, be. you're still in Rocky shadows. You'll never be the champion. Even, even Duke stokes the flames. Like we all know that Tommy Gunn will never be the champion that Rocky Balboa was. And Tommy, it's true. Like, he, he really does throw Tommy under the bus. But I think that's by design is he's trying to manipulate. He doesn't care about either Union Kane or Tommy Gunn. He is trying to manipulate he's circumstances Rocky to get Rocky Balboa back in the ring. That, that, that is an interesting theory. And I, I might buy into that yeah, because the, especially it, of how, deferential he is in that press conference to how great Rocky Balboa was as a champion. No, I think that's him manipulating Tommy and saying, you know, if you ever want to get get some respect. that robot to turn on its owner. Yeah, if you ever want respect, you've got to get Rocky. Because really what it comes down to, the villain, Duke, 
his goal is to get Tommy or to get Rocky back in the boxing ring. Right. And that he doesn't care who he fights. Yeah. And actually, I think it's an interesting twist on the first movie where Rocky is trying to prove to himself that he has value win or lose. Like, he loses the fight, but it doesn't yeah. matter. And here, the the battle isn't whether or not he wins or loses. The battle is whether he fights at all. I think that's an interesting... Yeah, that's an interesting know, way mirror, to look at mirror it. Mirror image is, you know, the whole plot of this movie is Duke trying to manipulate Rocky to get back in the ring, where he's obviously in no condition to do so and could die in the ring if he ever goes back and fights again. Although he does fight again in he the does, streets. Yeah, he does fight again, because it's a Rocky movie they still With, need Without anymore. boxing gloves. I like the street fight. I think do you? I'm I, I really not a do. fan. Because it's different, and it's still, you know. I thought you said before you, don't, you didn't like the street fight. Maybe I said that before, but this time watching it, I enjoyed it a lot. Because it has personal stakes. You know, I mean, you could say that the Drago fight has personal stakes because Drago killed my friend and yes. I'm, I want revenge. But Rocky and Drago don't have any relationship, really. And neither, Rocky didn't have a relationship with Apollo until after Apollo retired. None of his former fights had any kind of personal stakes whereas these this the stakes are high here i well, think i think got, he's got some personal stakes with clubber lang clubber showed up at his statue unveiling <laughs> i guess so yeah. i'm joking i mean that, that's something you're not wrong i mean there's a little bit there not much he made advances at uh hey woman hey <laughs> woman right. so i mean that's something but it's not much no you're but right. i i think the the, the Rocky is really upset about this, that he's really hurt that Tommy turned on him and wants to pick a fight with him. And he's, I think, at first reluctant until Tommy knocks Paulie out, or Paulie knocks him down. Anyway. Pushes him down, yeah. And I, I'll, I think he punches no, him. I think he, he does, because Paulie pushes him, pushes yeah. Tommy, and then Tommy, Tommy punches takes, him. takes a swing. Because Duke chides him. him and says, no, you only fight in the ring. Don't break your hand on this bum. Yeah. But, I mean, and... Rocky's reaction to that, where he gets angry, and you don't see that a lot in the Rocky series, where he's angry. That's like, true. You knocked him down. Why don't you try knocking me down? I, th- I think that's a really cool moment, and like that is, chilling but, in, a, in a way. But the street fight goes on way too long. Yeah, a little bit. It kind of spills. It starts in the alley, and it spills onto the street, and a crowd forms. And I like I like Robert goes to Adrian's. Hey, Dad's on TV. He's fighting, and she's just like, "What?" <laughs> and they run out to, to the fight. What? Because <laughs> for some reason, the news is broadcasting this fight live. And like it's like midnight because this is after a prize fight. How it, it is, but. Uh, Duke did bring a camera crew with him, so he, he must have had some media in his pocket because he's got a camera crew over there. He did, with him. and you can hear one of them being like, "Switch to live, or broad- we're going to broadcast this live." Like there's like, like in the background, you hear one of the news guys say something to try to justify yeah. it. And it, so, of course, in the end, Rocky wins. He does. I mean, there's there's some like ambiguous dream sequences where possibly uh, Mickey's ghost is is visiting him. Um, I mean, I think in the end, it's supposed to inter- be interpreted that it's Rocky's memory. Yeah. You know, because he gets hit. He's, he sees visions of, like, Drago hitting him and then, like, visions of himself, like, covered in blood and, like, some kind of, like, death, uh, you know, uh, premonitions or something. Yeah. But he keeps fighting and because uh, Rocky, Mickey tells him, get up, you son of a bitch. <laughs> that works for me. I think in original in the original script, it was more explicitly the ghost of Mickey Goldmill. I think, I think in the final cut, it's kind of just, like, eh, Rocky's just thinking about Mickey. I think that's a better way to go than have, like, I don't know, I envision a Christmas carol, Jacob Marley, with, like, chains on him and stuff. Well, he was supposed to be standing up on the on the train tracks. Mickey oh. was supposed to be up there, like, glowing. No. And saying, Rocky, get up. No, that, yeah. that would be a bad choice. I mean, they, they I think they shot it that way and then edited around it so you couldn't really tell Mickey was up on those tracks. Because I think it's, like, 
artificially zoomed in on Mickey, so you can't. There's no context. He's just kind of in a void. Gotcha. Whereas if you zoomed out a little bit, you'd see he was up in those tracks being like, Rocky, get up. Yeah. So I think that's a smart that's change. The, yeah, that's the better choice for sure. Yeah. But anyway, right. it ends with Rocky and uh, Robert on the steps actually Running going up, yeah. in, into the museum. <laughs> Didn't so. know there was art in there or pictures. <laughs> I like that too, though. I think that's telling, and I think it's not just there for a joke. I mean, it's partially there for a joke. I never knew there were books. I think it's there. consistent with the character. Oh, it definitely is consistent with the character. He's been running up these steps so long. <laughs> no idea what's there. But I think it, it illustrates that Rocky's ready to move on from boxing. He only saw these steps as a tool for his workout routine, and now it's like he's finally moving on with his life. He's going to spend time with his family and experience new things, and you know, you're never too old to learn. Until Rocky Balboa. Well, sure. When well, a computer simulation says that he can beat the current champ. Yeah, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I, th- I actually find this to be a fairly touching ending, I think. I, I, I won't disagree with you completely. Okay, good. All right. All right, so let's move on to technology. Yep. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? All right, this is a segment of the show where we discuss how changes in technology since the movie was made could impact the plot or other items uh, of interest within the movie. So I've got a few on here. What uh, what have you got? I'll let you start off. I only have one, so maybe you should start. All right. So the the first one I I'd say I would say is that uh, that's different is and maybe it's not necessarily technology completely. Yeah, mine's not really technology technically either. But. All right. So but the Rocky might have been able to make a lot of that money back that he he was allegedly losing on lawsuits on the violation of the release of his medical records. <laughs> My note says HIPAA laws. <laughs> so yes, we have the same note. Oh man, yeah. There is just no way. Oh yeah, that th- this would fly today. Well, specifically, Adrian has to ask the doctors, like, please don't tell anyone about this. Like, first of all, she wouldn't have to ask these days. No. It would be super duper illegal for the doctors to say anything. And then Duke somehow ends up with his medical report, which I guess he just went to the hospital and paid someone off. Um, that would be super duper illegal also. Like, I'm going to speculate that the bra salesman from Seinfeld is who he paid off. <laughs> he does react because Adrian's like, this, this is confidential, right? And he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> exactly. He kind of reacts in a way. He's like, mm, he's not, thinking about a little coin. I'd maybe get that in writing, At Adrian. At the right price? Yeah, exactly. All right. So the, the other ones that I have actually really have to do more with social media than anything else. And they're kind of actually the same. But the first one is the bullies, which you're right. They're movie bullies. But those kids... They wouldn't be bullying him there. They'd be bullying him on social media. That's, that's true. Which is funny because I just I just watched a, the first episode of Mrs. Fletcher on HBO, and there's actually a, a sequence where you know they're in high school, and it's like the final party before people are leaving to, to head head off to college, mm-hmm. and you know the one athlete is is bullying like actually bullying like in physically in some ways, and and, and the kid who's being bullied. Shouldn't you be bullying me on social media like, you know, normal people do today, <laughs> which I kind of found funny. That was funny. Uh, and then so the other one, it actually had to do with the fight between Rocky Jr. And the, the kids that are like up on that fence, there's no way kids are jumping up on a fence to watch a fight. Their phones oh. out are oh, immediately yes. okay. and they're videoing that fight and live streaming. They're up it. on the fence with their phones. So I, I, they're, I, they're definitely going to be watching the fight. They're going to be watching, but my point is, is their first reaction was like, let's get a higher vantage point. I'd be like, no. Their first would be, let's get around and let's see what we can get on film as fast as we can. It is weird, although I'm sure it's purely for movie reasons, but no, the kids stay within like the schoolyard because the fight's happening out on the street. You would think that they would certainly in circle. They would flow out, yeah, and well, let's, I mean, let's like get the, a closer look. Yeah, well, like the fight between Tommy and, 
and Rocky, that's exactly what happens. They all get right. surrounded, and Tommy actually gets picked up and you know, thrown back into the into the fight. Oh, and he punches a couple of bystanders. Right. So I actually kind of enjoy that. that. Other people decide to get involved. Um, oh, and a couple of guys who who offer to get involved. I, I have a list of funny moments in this movie, and th- those guys who offer to help. That's one of my favorite moments. One of the best lines in this movie, but I want to save it. All right. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I... How often do you think? I mean, your kids aren't to this age yet. I hope. No, um, yet. Of, like worrying about bullies, but like, how often do you think fights happen in schools anymore? So I don't know how often, but I can say. So we're hosting a foreign exchange student this year, and I. What's funny is I think I might have picked him up, but there was actually a fight at lunch, an actual fist fight. Wow. Two girls uh, fighting. And I mean, some it sounded like some nasty punches thrown, and I I asked, and it was somewhat jokingly. I'm like, "Was it over some guy?" And he's like, "Yeah, it was." I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. "Of course." <laughs> I guess some things do not change. How old is he? Uh, so I don't know how old the two girls. He's in high school. I don't okay. know how old the two girls that were fighting, but some some yeah. were similar in age, somewhere between fourteen and seventeen. And this uh, Roberts in junior high, probably it's hard yeah, to get a sense of his so. age because he aged ages six years in the uh, whatever the two months were that Rocky was gone. <laughs> that's what's so that's, 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 it's so annoying. That's just you, out of necessity. They they what else could you do? You can't have another kid like play the eight year old Robert and then play have another kid. You play, like, can, oh. but you could have had a bigger gap from when he comes home until he loses his money. But whatever. Sure, yeah. Just not have Robert in that scene. Flash forward four years. Now right. Robert's twelve. Exactly. Yeah. But I guess so. Um, no, but I was going to say, uh, 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 what was I going to say? I had something I was going to bring up. I can't tell you. It's something about the fighting. What were we talking about before? Uh, Fights in school, in high school. Oh, I was just going to say, just for context, because, like, when I, you know, we were in high school together. We didn't go to junior high together. But, like, I, our high school was sort of middle of the road. I wouldn't call it, like, a rough and tumble high school. No, but I also wouldn't call it, like... like, there was at least one to two fights a month, I oh, would yeah. say. That's if not, If not more. I, I don't think it's as prevalent today, because I actually think, unfortunately, where most bullying happens, yeah, it, it's on social media, which in many ways it winds up being even worse, because... Yeah, I, th- I think it's definitely worse. I mean, uh, yeah, you can't get away from it. It follows you, and it actually takes a massive mental toll and uh, suicide. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a dark path I'm headed down. But well, so mo- in some ways, I, it's terrible, but physical bullying might be better. Well, I think the movie kind of has the, the conversation because they invite Tommy in, and they have the scene around the dinner table. And, you know, Tommy's like, why don't you just pop them one? Or and maybe Paulie says it, I forget. Someone's like, why don't you just pop these bullies one? And uh, Adrian's like, oh, we, we don't want, we want our son to solve his problems with his brains rather than his fists. <laughs> and that actually leads to a, another one of my favorite lines in this movie, but I'll, I'm going to save all these, these lines. All right. Um, but, you know, I think the conversation is happening. And I think this movie is coming down on the side of, like, stand up for yourself, fight them. You know, this movie is pro fighting. Yes, I mean it's, it's a Rocky movie. It's, it's a, a boxing. It's movie. a boxing movie. Of course, of course it's pro it fighting. Is. Um, but you know, it solves Robert's problem. He he fights the kid and beat. He trains for a while. Yes, fights the kid and beats him up he and gives him a beatdown. Gets his jacket back. Which I'm not sure in the real world how easily it works that way, but I mean, you know, with he, the training, it would. That that probably it would. He showed that he could beat him up. He took his jacket back, and then they were just friends for the rest of the movie. Which I mean, that that is totally. I totally buy that. More than anything, I, buy, really? I, I I love that detail that they all become friends. Because <laughs> that's so junior high, I feel like. A, cer- a certain mutual friend of ours I once <laughs> fought on a schoolyard, and we became friends afterwards. <laughs> that's how we became I friends. I did not know that. More or less. And maybe a year or two later, we became friends. You didn't know that? Well, we'll talk about it off the off there's, the there's so much of that that fits perfectly. 
It wasn't a real fight. It was just a pushing and shoving kind of a thing. That's but how, of, yeah, of course. That's how most well, of This shouldn't be surprising are. to you. Yeah. All, right, all, all right. All right. We're done with technology? Yeah, time to move on. Let's talk about the little details. That cardboard headstone tipped over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. All right. The segment of the show where we discuss minutia of the movie that we found to be interesting or noteworthy. Yeah. I'll let you. It sounds like you have a fire hose. I've got some information st- here, so I'm going to let you lead off. I got some stuff to talk about. My first note was about the opening sequence, and I, I mean, I didn't really quite touch on the music. Uh, Bill Conti is back to do the music of Rocky Five. Um, you know, the hip hop notwithstanding, I mean, I, I don't mind it. Go for it. I like go for it. I think go for it works. Um, oh, I know you're going to have that song on either the opening or of course, closing of yes. this. It's, it's the song. It's this movie's Eye of the Tiger. It's Whether you like it or not, it is. It is. But the, the song that actually is the better song that closes this movie, and it's a song called Measure of a Man by Elton John. And I don't know how in the world they got Elton John to do a song for Rocky Five, <laughs> but... I think it's the best song of the series. It's totally atypical. It's not like this, you know, pump you up kind of a song. It's a very emotional. It's it's a song that's wrapping up the story essentially, even though the things kept, it keeps going. Yeah, reconciliation between father and son. But sure. it's actually a song about Rocky, and I think it is a great song. That I actually don't remember it because I didn't really watch the credits. It's so. um, well, and the credits have like a montage of like images from all the movies. Which yeah, I like. no, so I did let it run on the second viewing, and I do remember some. Oh wow, they're going through all of the basically all the previous movies. Yeah, and but it, it's a good song. I don't know if I can necessarily like point out what it's just a very. It, it's an Elton John song, and it's very like it, it's it's emotionally charged. I would say, and it's if you're a fan of the Rocky movies and you listen to the lyrics, it's actually about Rocky and about how like. Because I'm trying to remember what the lyrics are. They're like, uh, um, you, you went to hell and back again, and you know you ended up back where you started, and something. It, it's actually about the plot of the movie. movie. Yeah, so it's, in some ways, it's uh, like a Bond movie in terms of revealing, maybe not through song, but the opening credits, always the silhouette in the background, you can piece together what yeah. the movie is ultimately about. Yeah, it's like, uh, I'm remembering now, it's like, welcome back, my long-lost friend, you've been to hell and back again, and rise above your troubles while you can, back on the streets, back up to the start, trust in your heart, that's the measure of a man, that's the song. Wow. Now I remember how I really do goes. know it. Yeah. I All listened, right. I mean, it took me a second, but I listened, I love that song, I really do. I, I can't believe, how did they get Elton John to be in Rocky <laughs> Five? I mean, the pitch must have been, you can join the, the club of, that includes Survivor, that includes Frank Stallone, and includes... You and, guessed it, Frank Stallone. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, well, we, we can talk about, since we're talking about music, Frank Stallone does sort of make a comeback in this movie. All right. Because when, 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 well, wait, I'll explain, because he, he doesn't actually appear, his voice doesn't appear, but there's a remixed version of his song, Take It Back, so... That counts. It's, it's kind of a hip hoppy version of Take It Back, so I think it counts. It's his song. So you guessed believe. it. Frank Stallone. So I'm sure that's how they pitched Elton John. Like we got, yeah, I mean, if you can be on that kind of yeah. lineup, that's, that's the kind of club you want to be a member of. That's how you get the queen to knight you, is you join yes. a movie like that. Yes. I'm pretty sure Frank Stallone has not been knighted yet, but <laughs> you never know. All right. So for me, my first, my first note was. It's not the exact opening of the movie, but just after it, because it, it does recap um, Rocky IV, the fight in Rocky IV. But that shower sequence, for a minute, I said, am I watching The Specialist? Because it looked exactly like The Specialist in terms of Stallone in the shower. Not that I am you know, was obsessing over Stallone in the shower, 
but it reminded me very much of the shower like, sequence in the specialist. Like the cinematography and everything? Yeah. yeah. Just, I, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. It, it just, it was surreal to me. Well, it's very, it's a very unrocky kind of scene in the way it's shot and the way it's, uh, I mean, it's a scary scene. Yeah. It's really like terrifying. He, he calls Adrian Mick like, he's not there. He kind of gets his gets it together, even though he he gets a bad diagnosis. He's kind of, he more or less seems like himself. It's not yeah. like he doesn't seem like he has any, like dementia or anything like that. No, but for that scene, it seems like he does. Like yeah. it's it's frightening. Yeah. So all right, what do you got next? Uh, okay, I'm gonna go through all the moments that I find funny. I I think there are a lot of funny moments. We talked about Rantlers, so I don't know if there's much more to talk about there. Um, but when uh, they get back from Russia to a mansion that was not the same mansion that they left. Um, you know, whatever filming locates heart, you know, the new owners of that house didn't want to let them film yeah. there. I'm sure it's, it's tough, but, um, <laughs> there's, there's a line where he's like, I'm so, so glad to be back. And he even says like, I don't want to ever leave this place again. It's like, eh, Rocky, you know, don't say that. <laughs> uh, but he goes, he's talking to Adrian. He's like, maybe I'll take you upstairs and violate you like a parking meter. And she goes, it'll cost you a quarter. Oh yeah. So that I, I've got a note on that. Cause I think if his son wasn't right there... I, I know, his son is right there. Right, I mean, so I actually think it's a pretty good back and forth between a husband and wife, but I'm like, hey, man, your son is right there and violate you? Jeez, well, man. He and his son are very open about these sort of things because his son is very willing to share the photo, the picture okay. or drawing of uh, let, Madame let, DuPont. Is that what right, yes, let me go right to that one because that's on my list. <laughs> okay. And, you know what, this might have... I shouldn't have added little details because I have it as a question, but was Madame DuPont, do you think she was drawn to scale? <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> well, that well, was ridiculous. I say that. I say I can't imagine. But then again, you could argue that that drawing has a lot of similarities to Tommy Gunn's girlfriend, you know, in the, terms of the proportions. The redhead. Down in yeah, front. Oh yeah. So maybe. Wait a minute. There's a question. Do you think, is that Madame DuPont? We never get that girl's name. You don't. So maybe, maybe... Yeah. Her day job she's the French is teacher? she's a French teacher. Yeah. We might be on to something. Maybe. That might be Madame DuPont. Let's we'll look at the picture and compare the faces because <laughs> it's 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 hard to, you know, I'm sure 98% of people watching this movie don't get a good look at the face of that drawing because there's other things on the screen that are a little distracting, so you know. I, I mean, I have it right here. My next one was violate you like a parking meter. That seems a little inappropriate with Robert Jr. around. Well, Robert does uh, comment on it. And he's like, what was that about? And Paul's like, I got hit, he got hit in the head a lot. <laughs> let let, let yeah. him alone. I think All part right. of that is to comment on the fact that Rocky is once again acting like Rocky. Yeah. Whereas Rocky Four, Rocky is kind of doesn't, he's not acting like Rocky anymore. Suddenly in Rocky Five, they're trying to make him Rocky again. And his son's like, why is he acting like a, like a weird palooka? <laughs> It's because they're trying to get him. He's, he's, he's Rocky again. Back to who he was. Yeah. Um, well, my comment about the the parking meter thing is like, if you violated a parking meter, that means you didn't pay the quarter. So <laughs> I feel like the, the right. metaphor it's doesn't make sense. Uh, okay. Other things that I find funny. We kind of talked about Union Kane a little bit, but there is a f- specific acting moments for Union Kane. One is in the the opening press conference when Rocky gets back from Russia and announces his retirement, and then Union Kane and Duke burst in and said, "I want to challenge you for the title, Rocky." Anyway, Rocky leaves. He kind of brushes it off and leaves. And Duke is scheming with his like assistant, whoever that guy oh, is. Oh, that flunky was yeah, a joke. Yeah, his flunky. And in the background is Union Kane. And that guy doesn't know what to do when he's not talking. Yeah. And so he's just standing in the back there nodding and then shaking his head and then nodding, look, <laughs> looking mad. This. He's just like, yeah, yeah, nah, 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 nah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Watch him in the background of that scene. It makes me laugh because it's like that guy does not know what to do with himself. 
That's amazing. <laughs> I wish I would have noticed it. Yeah, it's really funny. It would have got me a good laugh. Because uh, I'm out of order here. One second. Let me find That's the rest right. of my, my funny stuff. Okay. So so Duke, when he tries to get Rocky back in the ring, and Adrian kind of comes out and says, he's not fighting again. And Duke kind of says, oh, I see who's got the cojones in the family. And then one scene later, it's like three minutes later, <laughs> Rocky's training uh, Tommy, Tommy, and Paulie's there. Paulie, what's cojones? <laughs> Do you have the line? you want to say it? No, I, I know of it. I didn't write it down. Paulie goes, cojones, it's uh, Latin, Latin for Spanish nuts. <laughs> it's Latin for Spanish nuts. That is a great one. That is so funny. Give Stallone credit. He has a way with words. He, he can find a unique, strange turn of phrase. Cajones is Latin for Spanish nuts is so funny. That is a great one. Uh, I really enjoyed when uh, Tommy's trying to convince Rocky to manage him, and Rocky goes, you know, the guy who owned this place, he was a manager. I was always the, the managed guy. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I enjoy the running gag in this movie where Paulie is thinking about moving to Miami to become a gigolo. <laughs> Just apropos of nothing, he's constantly talking about moving to Miami because they, Miami needs gigolos. I think he got used to that robot lifestyle and he wants Maybe. to try and get back into it. You think he was pimping out Seiko? In a or, word? Or, yes. <laughs> I mean, of maybe. Of course. I guess so. Okay. And then, oh, so getting back to the dinner scene, I, I was I was saving this, but when they're talking about whether or not Robert should fight back, and Rocky's like, you know, Adrian, I don't think it would be so bad if I taught him how to throw a few deadly punches. <laughs> I don't remember that. Amazing. He, the, the pause is perfect. If I taught him a few deadly punches, <laughs> he sneaks it in. Um, I love Duke constantly just shouting for no reason. And it, it make, that makes me laugh for some reason because every time in, like, in the montages they'll show Duke in the crowd watching Tommy's rise oh, to start no. him, and they'll keep cutting him, and he's just like, "Yeah!" Just <laughs> and one time Union Kane is sitting next to him, and he looks at him like, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> I don't know. And it happens throughout the entire movie when Tom, when Rocky and Tommy are fighting in the street at the end. They keep cutting to Duke, being like, yeah, why is he doing that? Because much like Union Kane, he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, during the title fight, Rocky's watching along, and he's punching the heavy bag, and he's kind of coaching the TV, and he goes, come on, Tommy, side to side, back and forth, like the Metrodome. <laughs> the best. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, because he means metronome. But oh, he, yeah. He says metrodome, but like the metrodome. That's that's maybe one of the funniest things like Rocky right. ever said. Yep. Uh, okay, Christmas at the Bell Bowl, we've covered. And then finally, at the end, just before the fight, Tommy's trying to pick a fight. Rocky's heading out, and then it's just two guys in the bar. Hey, Rocky, you need some help with this guy? Nah, guys, this ain't no pie-eating contest. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Anyway, that's a lot of funny stuff in this movie. Oh, I there's think. a few I actually have on here that you didn't cover. So okay. I, I got one here. This neighborhood is coming down with tooth decay was one of my favorite yeah. lines of all time. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Tooth decay. He learns about ur- urban blight, but then he thinks it's urban li- urban light. <laughs> all right, so we covered Madame Dupont. I, I, let me go back to, I think it's the first time that Duke is trying to pitch Rocky on the fight. And I'm just going to, I said it right here in my notes. Duke, you are no Apollo Creed because his pitch, letting it go in Tokyo, just not good. Apollo Creed was such a better salesman and promoter than the Duke could ever hope to yeah. be. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, uh, letting it go in <laughs> Tokyo, <laughs> I mean, lame. I think the, the idea is 
he would spin this as Rocky's farewell match. And so Rocky's letting go his boxing career. Lame. Letting it go in Tokyo. Lame. It is lame. It's very lame. He is no Apollo Creed. I mean, Duke is is portrayed as a vampire. He's not a good promoter. He is... He is someone who is depicted as destroying the sport of boxing, essentially. Yeah. So we're supposed to like Apollo, even in the first movie, when he's not, we're, you know, he, he and Rocky aren't friends yet. Uh, we're definitely not supposed to like Duke. Duke right. is maybe the most, uh, of all of these characters, I think Stallone hates Duke the most. Justifiably so. <laughs> Every Rocky character, I think Stallone despises Duke and uh, presumably Don King. Yeah. Like, I'm sure a lot of this is just Stallone being sad that Don King was ruining boxing. In his point of view, which may be true. I don't know. I mean, boxing has definitely never been the same. Nope. It's unclear if it's Don King's fault, but I think Stallone probably thinks so. Do you have a lot more? Well, I got it. I got All right. I'll, I'll cover these two because they're kind of the same. So right. the first, it has to do with this accountant. All yeah, right. let's talk about the accountant. Yeah, let's talk about this guy. Because first of all, I don't, th- this isn't all on Pauly, if you ask me, and this power of attorney. And here's why. Because one of the things that I, I think it's supposed to be his lawyer, because when they're getting this information, I think it's his lawyer and maybe some sort of other advisor that's there in the meeting. That's with in them. the office, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tax returns haven't been filed that's in true. six years. It seems to me like that's like an early warning sign there's a problem with yeah, this guy. That's okay? very true. So I agree with Paulie. All of this should not be dumped on him. Somebody else should have been paying attention, okay? Yeah. Here's my second thing. So the claim is that he took Rocky's money and he was trying to make investments to make himself a bunch of money and then pay it back without knowing that it was gone. Right. He invested in commercial real estate, which I know a little bit about. Yeah. It must be the Great Depression and nobody has let this on because it's in a matter of months that this guy has just blown through everything. And commercial real estate isn't that liquid, but it also doesn't fluck. It, it's not like all of a sudden where the stock market might turn on a dime. Yeah. It would be a decline, but it would probably be a gradual decline. It is totally ridiculous that this guy could have lost it all in commercial real estate the in guy a matter s- of like four months. The guy says the bottom fell out of the market. That's not something that would be plausible. You don't not think there would be some kind of commercial real estate bubble that burst? Oh, there was one, but it wouldn't have been... It wouldn't have changed over four months is what the point is, is that there would have been a longer run-up, and then, yeah, it might have turned on a dime, but he would have had to have been investing over more than just like a four-month period. All right. Well, this is not the segment, but I am going to play devil's advocate here okay. because I, I, would, I would speculate that, okay, let's say he stole $10 million of Rocky's money, okay. and he's saying, I'm going to take this $10 million, invest it. Hopefully, I finish with you know, $11 million. I, I keep the one, and I give Rocky back his 10, and he'll never be the wiser. Three months later, he's at nine and a half million, and he's going. Oh, if I don't at least get back to even, Rocky's going to know, and, and uh, I'm going to go to jail. I got to make take bigger and bigger risks to try and at least get back to even. Well, that's and, what that's what Ponzi schemes normally are. Is that they have they you're ch- you're chasing losses is normally what winds up happening. Is that oh, I'll just pay it back, but you then have to go take bigger risks to try and pay it back. Right, and yeah, so I, it's plausible. Just in the period of time that they present it as if it happened, I don't necessarily buy it. Now, if it was over the six-year period that he wasn't filing tax returns, that I could easily believe. Right. right. I think the movie could have... We talked about it. It could have had this be more on Rocky's shoulders, but I mean, they could have just said, you know, your accountant cut himself a check for all your money and fled to Cancun or something, or yeah. Acapulco, whatever kind of uh, tropical country doesn't have extradition. I don't, know, yeah. I don't know which of those do and don't, but, you know. Valverde. Sure, exactly. Uh, yeah, that might have been the better way to go. Just like, this guy just took all your he money and disappeared. Yeah. 
Because um, that kind of stuff happens too. Yeah, totally. And especially if you have power of attorney. Right. Like, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, and it's like, come find me. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the movie lets Rocky off the hook about signing that power of attorney also. I mean, yes, Paulie put it in front of him and said, hey, sign this so that the accountant can take care of your affairs while you're yeah, gone. Why? But think about it. You know, it's not like Paulie has had the greatest advice in your relationship. No. No, he took him on reluctantly after bailing him out of jail in uh, Rocky Three. Yes. He only gave him a job to stop him from smashing up pinball machines. All right. So what What else? I've actually got a few more. So uh, so a couple of some housekeeping things since I've been covering this on every Rocky episode. So first of all, Leroy Neiman watch. Leroy Neiman, who has appeared in every movie since 2, he was drawing Apollo in 2, but ever since 3, he's been a ring announcer character. He's always yep. been there. With the mustache. Yep, with his gigantic, ridiculous mustache. He still has the mustache in this movie. I wasn't sure if he did. But he doesn't have any dialogue, so he, you right. see him on the TV before the Tommy Gun uh, Union Kane fight starts, and he's holding the the microphone, but you never actually hear him because you know, obviously the movie's not all that focused on the fight. We're focused yeah. on Rocky watching the fight, so uh, we don't get much of it. But he's in the movie, just so just yeah. worth noting. The streak continues for him, and then Rocky Pet Watch. Uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of pets in this movie, but I did spot Cuff and Link. They're in a tank in the basement behind the couch. So Cuff and Link are right. still, at least we can see their tank. We don't get any close-ups of them or anything, but they are still there. And they were not lost in the liquidation. No, they were not lost in the liquidation. So first time we've seen them since Rocky II, or at least, you know, we don't really see them, but we see the tank. So it's evidence that they're still around, and, you know, turtles live, live for a long time, so I'm pretty sure it's probably still Cuff and Link. All right. And then we get a, probably the final appearance of Butkus the dog. He's seen in a photograph in during the montage at the end of the... In the uh, oh! During the credits. I didn't notice that one. So one All last right. uh, appearance of Butkus the dog. Alright, I want to go back to another because I've got another one of my... because I do mine in order. I've got another funny line that I absolutely love. Okay. Uh, Merry Xmas. Yo, yo, yo. What's the freaking difference? It's yo, yo, yo where I come <laughs> where from. Where I come from, it's yo, yo, yo. <laughs> it's amazing. I love Polly Claus. Considering this is going to be our Christmas episode, that may be the start. I'm going to put that at the start of the episode, because I do enjoy that, too. You know, I, I don't think you got that right, Santa. <laughs> Christmas, the Christmas scene is amazing. And I'll tell you, the one thing that we didn't talk about is, you know, Paul, Paul he's got his laundry, and you can see it's actually his laundry. I got my laundry. Um, and Paulie's obviously kind of been roped into this. He doesn't really want to do oh, it. Oh, he wants no part of and it. And Robert doesn't want, he doesn't want Nobody any part of it. Nobody wants any part of it. Only Rocky and Adrian who uh, have, are being the cornball parents. That's why I like it. But my, actually the, the sneakily, the funniest part of that scene is Robert and Rocky start arguing. Cause you know, Robert's like, you don't know me. I thought you would be, you would enjoy this. What do you, what do you know? You don't know me anymore. And meanwhile, Paulie just decides, I'm going to turn on the TV and watch TV. <laughs> and, and, and Rocky, when, he, when Rocky walks over to talk to his son, he turns off the TV like, hey, Paulie, we're having a moment here. Turn off the TV. And after like 30 seconds, Paulie waits like 30 seconds to for, make sure Rocky's not looking. And he goes and turns the TV back on. <laughs> he is not interested in getting involved in this like family drama. He doesn't care that his brother-in-law and his nephew, nephew. are not getting along. He could have easily leave the room. No, I'm just going to watch TV. In a full sand outfit, I'm just going to watch the game or whatever. Uh, all right, I got about two more. What else have you got? Uh, okay, I've got long ones. I've got a list of all the venues that Tommy fought at. It kind of shows his rise. All right. And then I have a bunch of newspaper articles. Uh, so th th these, are, these are both pretty long, so I don't know if you want to cover these. It's up to you, I, man. I, I can cover the venues first, and then if, you right. want, if you've got stuff. So here's the, here's the series of the progression of venues that Tommy fights at. 
Uh, we've got the local church, which is the same one from Rocky One, which Spider Rico, yeah, which is a nice touch to get the shot of the the stained glass window, yeah. uh, like like the first movie. Next is something that I was going to make fun of until I found out this is a real place. Jimmy Toppy's Blue Horizon, which apparently is like a real boxing mecca. It's like a little couple thousand seat arena. Uh, Wikipedia says Ring Magazine voted it the number one boxing venue in the world, and Sports Illustrated noted it as the last great boxing venue in the country. Wow! Unfortunately, when it, it closed like five, six years ago, but oh wow, it was real. I just thought Jimmy Toppy's Blue Horizon. Like wow, what is that? I assumed it was made up, but it's totally a real place. Wow. Uh, then we get the South Mountain Arena, which uh, is in Newark. The Meadowlands Sports Arena, which I think has been torn down or something. I don't think he's around anymore. Yeah, no. Then he's at Madison Square Garden, the Philadelphia Spectrum, and then where things start to fall apart between Tommy and Rocky. The ship is sunk. The ship is sunk. It happens at Trump Plaza. <laughs> so coincidence? I don't know. I think it's causality. And then I believe uh, there's one more fight at Caesar's Palace. Yeah. And then the, the Tommy Gunn uh, Union Kane fight is at the Spectrum because we know it's in Philadelphia because they drive over to Rocky's, Rocky's house after the fight. So <laughs> Merry Christmas! <laughs> I've got a list of newspaper stuff. but if you, No, go ahead. Fire away. Okay, it's, it's, it's a lot of stuff. This is lengthy. There's a lot of newspapers in this movie. Um, all right, I'll, I'll go for it. So I'll go for it. Uh, go for it! <laughs> Uh, go ninja go ninja no, go ninja go don't compare those two things how dare you very that's, similar that's awful no they're not <laughs> go go for it is a much higher caliber than vanilla ice the soundtrack does not have vanilla ice on it it's got mc hammer not vanilla ice this might have been a year too soon too early yeah. yes uh okay so first there's a i think there's a newspaper article it's split down the middle the left half oh no it's a, it's a magazine sports daily the left half says rocky retires the right half, Duke stages contender battle. The day that Rocky retires, Duke's already setting up a fight. Um, okay, unknown newspaper, sports section. Rocky's bankrupt, which is, that's not really a headline. It's just like a, a statement of a fact. fact. Rocky's bankrupt, Sue's former accountant by Don Leish Associated Press. And then, uh, as you know, I like to look at what the text actually says. It says, last Thursday, after having petitioned... After having been petitioned by several hundred members protesting Equity's original decision, the union's council reversed its ruling on price. The union, in a statement, acknowledged that it had, quote, applied an honest and moral principle in an inappropriate manner. It's some kind of, like, actor's equity I wonder if that dispute. was Union Kane. <laughs> That's right. I, uh, yeah, I wonder if there's a reason why he has that nickname. He came up from the unions. He was like... Fist. Yeah, Maybe he exactly. watched the movie Fist too many times. He was part of the union, and he was, like, the union champion. You know, the union had their own boxing league, and he won. He won that, and it's came like up the ar- the arm wrestling league that we came up with. That there was the trucker division. And- yeah, maybe there's a union uh, boxing thing. Maybe. All right, next is the newspaper business section. It says Balboa Estate Auction, and that's there's a picture of the mansion. Which should this be in business? Shouldn't this be in like lifestyle or something? <laughs> Is yeah. it really business news that someone's having an estate auction? I mean, yeah, there's an auction, but that's not really business. <laughs> it's not business news. No, it's not. Okay, now we're getting on to the montages. So for the, in the Go For It montage. Go For It! <laughs> that should be, I, I may add that to a, as a button on the soundboard. Be careful. Don't, don't do it too many times. That one actually could be used. Uh, I'm not sure what context we'd use it for, but I like the song, so maybe I'll do it just, uh, maybe, oh, you I, maybe I'll go for it. You wouldn't use the Rocky Jr. drop of... Go for it. That's true. Yeah, like he heard the song. I I watched that montage. (laughs) That is weird that he says go for it after there's a whole montage where the song is saying go for it over and over. Um, I mean, I think that's supposed to be like 
that's it's this the movie's line of the movie. It's this movie's Eye of the Tiger because obviously it's similar. In, in Rocky Three, Apollo talks about the Eye of the Tiger, and then there's a song called Eye of the Tiger. Um, so it's the same thing. I know. It's just in this case, it's a lamer quote, and I, you know, it's not as good a song as Eye of no, the Tiger. Not. I will All acknowledge right. that. All right. Okay, the Go Fort montage. Union Kane stakes claim on title. Duke to announce title bout soon. With whom? Who knows? The movie never goes into detail about this stuff. Uh, and then it zooms way down to the bottom corner to show, like, this is a smaller story. Balboa's pupil wins second fight by KO. Uh, and then the text says, Rocky is now in the management business and doing it very well. His new wonder boy here was a young lady who, like, at, at, some, <laughs> at some point a real article kicks in and I'm not sure where. Yeah. Um, that is good. Duke announces, title bout will be in Vegas. That's news. We don't, it doesn't even say who is in it again. Just title bout will be in Vegas. Oh, Union Kane, heavily favored. Again, not against whom. And then zoom down to the bottom. Balboa's clone clobbers opponents. Who did he fight? Who knows? This newspaper is terrible. Not giving us the facts. Uh, it says, promising newcomer now 8-0 by Steve Goody. Here's the text. Rocky is now in the management business and doing it very well. <laughs> this new wonder boy here it was a young lady who fell in love. <laughs> and then, oh, there's a next, there's a second column in this one. The angels soar so high that I can no longer see the sky. It is a shame that we can. <laughs> it is a shame that we all can see them for very long. But I guess that is what we see in our heads when. And then it, I love the idea that the sports writer was so lazy that he just resubmitted the same article about right. Bobo being in the management and then business. Got into some poetry about angels or something. I'm not even sure what that second column was. <laughs> uh, okay, next article. Balboa's boy wins again. Oh, and here's the text. Pretty funny, huh? Did he steal the base of my heart, or was he just borrowing it? Well, this is very good. <laughs> oh, there's another column. Today is a very boring. <laughs> I do not like to type just nothing. So, may- <laughs> so maybe I will type a short story. There was a... And then it gets cut off. <laughs> That's outstanding. Some prop guy didn't want to do this. No, he didn't. <laughs> okay, next article. And didn't expect anybody would ever be zooming no, in. Didn't expect Blu-ray technology to exist. I could see this in high definition. Rocky's Robot Rolls to 11-0 and 0 by K. Moff. Article. Tax advisors maintain that the current deficit reduction package has something for everybody. Most of it bad. The poor will be hit hard by higher taxes on cigarettes, alcohol, and gasoline, while the rich will suffer the loss of many of their deductions. Some kind of tax uh, change? Who knows? Next one. Rocky's boy bombs again. Uh, My favorite part of this is there's a a photo caption of Tommy Gunn, and it it just says, The best in boxing wins another. (laughs) The most generic (laughs) caption you'll ever see. Uh, and the text says, in their first appearance before the committees, UNLV officials asked that no further action uh, be taken in the, in the 77 case because of the, quote, hardship the school endured, and then gets cut off. And then we move on to the Keep It Up montage. First is Ring Magazine. Balboa's discovery. Is Tommy Gunn for real? The rest of this article, the, the, the cover is blank. There's no other articles. It's, apparently, this is the only article in the magazine. Boxing Illustrated. Balboa's Bomber. Watch out, Union Kane. Here comes Tommy Gunn. Uh, I think most of these are actually pretty. There's no, like, newspaper text. text yet. Yeah. The National Sports Daily. Balboa's boy undefeated, destined for showdown with Union Kane. Also, a viewer's guide to this weekend's pro and college football action, pages 17 to 32. Okay, another newspaper. Dynamic duo rolls on and on. The summer belongs to Rocky and his top gun, Tommy Gunn. Seems kind of like... Don't call him a top gun. His name is Tommy Gunn. Yes. Uh, and then there's a caption that says, Rock and his top gun, again, 
looking unstoppable as Tommy Gunn knocked out Michael Johnson in last night's fight. At least they give a name this time. And then the article is about high school basketball. I didn't actually write the. I just wrote. I just noted that. Uh, and that's the article that uh, Adrian lines the parakeet cage with. That was a nice touch. Um, yeah, which I didn't. Those aren't technically Balboa pets. So, but there's a lot of pets in the pet store. Those aren't technically Rocky's pets, so I didn't note them before. That's fair. Uh, a couple more. Philadelphia Herald, October 26, 1990. So we actually get a date for the, you know, the events of this movie there. Rocky's robot takes 16th victory. The knockout machine is in high gear. And then there's an amazing illustration of Rocky holding Tommy Gunn like a puppet. puppet yep. Like one of those little punching, like the nun puppets or whatever. Yep. You remember the, the, I remember it, and it was a great illustration. Yeah, I'm not sure if this is specifically supposed to be... That's a very specific kind of puppet, those like punching boxing puppets. The illustration has Rocky in his like trademark hat, you know, there's like pork oh, pie I hat. I that. Yeah. Um, would people, I feel like. I don't think people would know that. No, because like by the time he becomes famous, he stops wearing the hat. Yeah. In the period where he was famous, he didn't wear that hat. So why is that? Mm. I feel like the people in this world wouldn't know that he wore that. Uh, okay, two more. KO Magazine, the Knockout Boxing Magazine, it says. And then. This is shown super like the movie is edited so that this is superimposed over like a weirdly sinister shot of the American flag. Uh, mm-hmm. I never noticed it until this viewing because I was like going through detail, but it's like there's a really weird like ominous shot of the American flag flapping behind Tommy Gunn while he's like punching, and then it fades to this article. Uh, it says Rocky's gun aims at Kane, ready to take on the champ? Question mark. And then the last one, World Boxing Magazine, Dece- December 1990. When will he get his title shot? Tommy Gunn. <laughs> I feel like that's in the opposite order of what it should be. But uh, that's the last... Uh, seems like almost a Yoda phrasing there. It is, yeah. When will he get his title shot? Tommy Gunn! <laughs> it's like, by the way, we were talking about Tommy Gunn. So, uh, uh, that's well, the ex- last one. Excellent work. Well, I've really only got one, as I look through here, one other one that I'd, I'd like to highlight. And it's unfortunate, because I think the first usage of the line is great, and then they go one too many times, and the delivery isn't as great. But Duke's best moment is the... Touch me and I'll sue is a great delivery the first time, but then they go to the well once too often and they, they do it again. I wish they would have just stuck with one because yeah. the first one was great. Is your objection just that he goes to that line too many times or is your objection that Rocky actually touches him and punches, you know, no, I, unprompted punches him? My objection is actually to the, oh, what do I have to sue? I actually don't Sue me for what? Yeah, sue me for what? Because it's not only that. They could press, like, you know, actual criminal charges <laughs> right. against you, Rock. And also you have the gym and you have Paulie's house and yes. they're starting to rebuild. and you Right. Know. But it, it's more my annoyances because I, I, I like it. If you just do it once, that's really all I think you need to do. Yeah. It, it ends up becoming like this weird catchphrase. It's yeah. Like, it's all of a sudden at the end, he's got this thing that he says a lot. Right. And that, that doesn't feel like the Rocky series. Yeah. And the delivery in his The first delivery, I actually think, fit with that type of character perfectly and would have been fine. Would have been great if they just would have left it at you're, that. You're right. The first time he says that, it's almost like a... It's almost like him and Rocky almost like joking with each other. Just, Touch me and I'll sue. Like it's, he's got a little glint in his eye when he says he it. Does whereas the second time he's like, "Come on, punk! Touch me and I'll sue." Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. I, he's not a tough guy. I, I'll be honest. I think it is incredibly stupid. I would not be goading on Balboa. No, especially when his uh, blood is up. Right. You shouldn't get near him when his blood is up. <laughs> so that, that's uh, all I've got on uh, on the little details. I do. I do kind of think it's funny. I mean, this, again, this movie is very pro fighting, almost in a way, even more so than the other movies. But he knocks out Duke. I mean, we're supposed to hate Duke, and we're supposed to be glad that Duke, you know, got some comeuppance. 
<laughs> but it is just assault. I mean, there's really no justification for it. And then <laughs> there's Father Carmine, <laughs> who just appears and gives him a, a blessing. He gives, it's it's church sanctioned assault. <laughs> Rocky, uh, I bless you. I love that idea of church sanctioned assault. I also like the idea that because they're fighting in the street and this, he knocks him into a bus, which is oh. just trying to get through. <laughs> I've got it on my questions. Okay, let's get let's, to the devil's advocate right now. Yeah, let's, let's start with that then, because uh, yeah, I definitely want to talk about that. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. All right, the devil's advocate, the segment of the show where we ask questions of each other that we try and then answer. So I'm going to go right to this one, yeah, please which do. is my last question. And I want to know, how late is that bus in making its route, and are the people on the bus super pissed that they can't get to where they want to go? <laughs> well, I was imagining, um, I mean, most of them probably, yes, they're super pissed because, yes, <laughs> their bus is being delayed by a street fight. Yes, in the and mo- I think it's only delayed because I think the bus driver is out there watching the fight. Oh, you think so? Yes. I thought he was sitting in the driver's seat. I mean, he's not, like, honking or anything. He's, he's resigned to the fact that I'm stuck <laughs> here. He's a spectator. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I was imagining someone who, like, works the late shift who's really into boxing, and is like, man, I'm going to miss the Union Kane-Tommy Gunn fight. Uh, but at least I'll, you know, I'll take the bus and go home, and you know, maybe I'll, I'll see some highlights on you know, the on TV. The, uh, yeah, exactly, on the, on the sports on machine. On the George Michael sports machine. Yeah, maybe I'll see some clips of, of the fight, and then it's like, man, the bus is delayed. What the hell's going on? Oh, my God, Tommy Gunn and Rocky Balboa are fighting in the street. <laughs> This whole scenario played out in my head of like the one boxing fan on the, on the bus who's just I like, I can't believe this is happening. All right, what do you got? Okay, well, this is maybe a little more serious than that, but I'm going to ask it. I, I really love the scene of Mickey, the, the flashback of Mickey, get up, you son of a bitch. But Mickey does say, get up, you son of a bitch, because Mickey loves you. I can't imagine the Mickey from the first three movies telling Rocky that he loves him. Do Definitely think- the first one. Yeah. Do you think this is an actual memory, or do you think this is some kind of like idealized Ooh. amalgamation in, in Rocky's head? Or you know is, is this a thing that literally No, I, there's a lot of things about memories of people that you've lost that things change, and you omit some of the... Ne- you almost always, not ever, all the time, I mean, if it's a really abusive relationship, but yeah. you probably also wouldn't be remembering them at all. You try and forget them. Yeah, you're, so you're, pe- people but you want to remember, you forget the bad times. Yeah. And then I think you even enhance some of the good times. So no, I, I think this is Rocky changing things in his, and it's anybody, it's not just the CTE. I think that this is what humans naturally do with people that they love that they yeah, love. Yeah, I tend to agree. It's, it's even, it's interesting because Rocky is, a couple of lines he says, and then Mickey says it in the memory, as if almost as if he's writing it on the spot. Because people are smarter than you know, uh, nature is smarter than people think, and Mickey, nature is smarter than people think. It's almost like he's creating the scene in he's his head, it, yeah. and writing it in his head. Yeah, yeah I, I tend to agree All right. that uh, that's not a literal scene. Although obviously the the cufflink is real because he gives it to Robert at the end. The cufflink from, uh, it, from it is. Rocky Marciano. We never talked about it. Uh, so all right, I'm gonna have to go to that question, which is out of <laughs> okay. No, I'm glad that I'm I'm transitioning right into yes. your question. All right, so this here's my question on this, and I had it actually up because it was one of Mickey's lines that I loved. So it was, oh yeah, that's a I, I didn't I left that out of my list of funny lines, but yeah, I know what you're gonna say. All right, well then, so I'll go right to the question. So what my question is. Do you think that the bum that got the other cufflink from Rocky Marciano 
calls Mickey a bum when he tells the <laughs> same story about where the other cufflink is. I'm sure he does, yes. Okay, so he in somebody's eyes, Mickey bum. is a bum. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure someone in the course of the series probably called him a bum at some point. Did uh, Clubber Lang call him a bum? I somebody, probably. Well, someone but, may have. So you think, though, that the other the other cufflink, that guy telling that story is calling Mickey a bum for sure? Probably. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, we see Polly uh, selling mugs that Rocky drank out of to people at the gym. There's no so way. I'm, I'll bet that same scenario is ha- happening with some guy who bought some. I bought one shoe that Polly sold me. Oh, what right. happened to the other shoe? Polly sold it to some bum, you know. The same I, thing is playing out again. I do love Burgess Meredith delivery. I <laughs> probably gave it to some other yeah. bum. I mean, and Stallone's delivery is funny, too. What happened to the other cufflink? I don't know. I don't know. Probably gave it, give to, it some to some bum. bum. Yeah, that's a funny moment. All right. What's I mean, next That's one? essentially the last moment we get of Mickey, Mickey that isn't, like, surreal ghost Mickey, you right. know? Like, that, that stuff at the end almost doesn't seem like Mickey. It's, like, some kind of, like... I don't even know. Agreed. Some kind of hallucination. I don't have a ton. All right. Well, I'll fire off another one. Though. We already we already talked about the sports writers, uh, whether or not they're in. Duke's yeah, pocket, I, so. I think you're right. So I, that transitions well to what my first question is, and it's from the very early in the movie. I want to know how did George Washington Duke get access to a private hangar at the airport and have Union Kane along with him. I might be able to buy that he found a way in because maybe he did have some of the press in his pocket. Yeah. But he got Union Kane in there, too. How did those two guys get access to a hangar at the airport? I assume because there's one guy in that press conference who's very belligerent towards Rocky. I think he's there at the Tommy Gun one yep, also. he is. I forget what he – oh, because he's like, I, we, we need an answer now. Are you, right. you going to accept the gonna, challenge? Are you going to retire? Right. Or are you going to accept Union Kane? But there's one guy saying – we need an answer. Are you going to accept Union Kane's challenge to fight fight him for the title? My speculation is that's the guy who got Duke in. That that okay. guy seems like he's in Duke's pocket. That he just owns him outright. Yeah, yeah. Because he's he is pushing hard. He 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 is really trying to get Rocky to commit to a fight to a fight. And what does he care? I mean, he's a sports writer, and a, it would be an interesting fight to cover, I'm sure. But. Duke a, is the one who wants little, to get yeah, Rocky in the ring. He's a little too interested. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right, so I'll I imagine that. he gave him a press pass, like snuck him in, snuck Union Kane in. All right, I'll buy that. And uh, three of them, because there's his, his funky there. Too. That's right. He's got three three guys yeah. in there. All right. What? I guess maybe, or, or the, alternatively, this airport is not very well secured. Pre-9-11, maybe I, he I just, just gonna walked say, under the I, Maybe I should get that technology upgrade. Homeland <laughs> sure. Security would have had a field day with this arrangement. Yeah. Flying in from Russia, like that's not even you know, it's not like it was a domestic flight. Oh, it wasn't. All right, what what do you got next? Uh, well, uh, in a similar vein, uh, talking about Duke and people in Duke's pocket, do you think Union Kane threw the fight against Tommy Gunn? In a word, yes, <laughs> I think so because it's so easy. It's depicted as like he wins in like thirty seconds, forty five seconds. Yeah, and he is no first Ro- round. He is no Rocky Balboa. No. I mean, I don't know if the sports writers are necessarily accusing him of throwing the fight, but he's saying, you know, they're obviously saying he was an unworthy champion. Yeah, so it, it's one of those, is it better if you're incompetent or you have no courage, right, to steal from the Rock? Is it, oh, so we're not gutless, you know, we're incompetent? Right. So either he beat somebody legitimately that had no business being up there or the fight was thrown. Honestly, which one is worse? Because clearly Duke is crooked. Like he, yes. he would, he's clearly the type of person who would not have any compunction about throwing Wouldn't a fight, bad an or, eye. you know, rigging a fight. 
So and, and he owns he clearly owns Union Kane. He makes that very clear in that limousine. Oh yeah. yeah Union I, Kane has nothing of value to say. You will fight where I tell you, how I tell you, and when I tell you. <laughs> um yeah, that scene that that makes it very clear what kind of a guy Union Kane is. All right, so I'm gonna ask this question that I think we've already asked. Uh, on prior episodes, okay, but I'm going to ask anyway because you know listeners might just be turning in for Rocky Five. Sure, where is poor Seiko at that auction? What happened to Seiko? I have to assume he was auctioned off, right? Well, I'm concerned. Or she now did something happen to Seiko while Polly was away? Was there like maybe somebody jealous in the household that did something to Seiko? Because you don't see Seiko anywhere during that auction. You see, you see Rocky's motorcycle. Yes, you do. That's the one throwback that is a reference to a prior movie, but yeah. I mean, Seiko would have been pretty jarring, considering the tone of this movie. Right. You'd be like, oh, you know, because Robert's sad to see, you know, this motorcycle go. Imagine Man. it's yeah, the same scene, but <laughs> Seiko, why do you have to go? But it's only supposed to be like four months later. Where is Seiko? I assume he's somewhere in that auction. Someone must have bought him. Okay. We just don't see him. You're probably right. Well, I mean, they do return to a very different mansion than they left, so maybe they left him in... Maybe this... Uh, <laughs> I mean, Rocky does say it's good to be home. Like He treats it as if it's the same home he left, but I was going to say maybe this crooked accountant moved all their stuff, like, you know, bought them, okay. bought the Balboa's new mansion, moved everything to the new mansion, left Seiko behind. Or maybe the accountant sold Seiko prior I, to the auction. The, the, I have, a, I have a speculation on here, okay? okay. I, you, so you don't see him. So we don't know that Seiko got sold. Okay? Right. So my follow-up question I had on here, it's somewhat facetious, but I, I said, did Tommy do something to Seiko and his guilt? That's why he doesn't want to be called Rocky's robot, because Tommy is actually the one who did some damage to Seiko. When, when would he have done that? You're saying that the Balboas took Seiko with th- them yes. to Polly's house? <laughs> that Seiko made the trip to the old neighborhood. Yeah, he's part of the family now, so you would hope they would bring him along. There's the, there's the scene, actually. There's the scene, the Christmas scene, where Rocky's like, why isn't Tommy here? I don't even know if he says Tommy here. He's like, why isn't he here? He should be here. And Adrian's like, maybe, maybe he doesn't think of us as his family. Maybe they're talking about Seiko in that scene. Maybe they're not actually talking about Tommy. <laughs> You know, where's Seiko? Seiko's moved on. He's like a lost dog. He ran away. They, they don't. They never saw him again. Uh, all right. You got any, uh, any other questions? Well, I have one, one thing that I don't know if this is just someone misspeaking or or what, but in the meeting with the lawyer where they're going over his his you know situation, his financial situation, and the one guy sitting in the back is like, "Well, all you have left." Is a gym that a Mickey Goldmill left to your son. He says to your son. Yeah. Okay, you noticed this too. Oh, yeah, I. It, it was clear to me that it was Rocky Jr.'s gym, not okay. Rocky's. So potentially, I think that's done. Stallone, the screenwriter, did that to explain why they didn't come and take the gym away. Yes. Like this is this is Rocky Jr.'s. So property. your question is, is why did Mickey choose that? Uh, well, that's a, that's a question, but my actual question is, does that mean that Robert is Rocky's boss, and could Robert have fired Rocky in revenge for not being a good father? Uh, so I don't think he's Rocky's boss, but what he could have done is he could have locked him out. So sure. I don't think he... So he owns the building and the gym, so he owns, okay, the, he yeah. owns the building. Rocky Rocky's runs the running the business, okay. but here's the thing. Is that Robert? Yes, I do think he could have just put a padlock on the door. Or just up to the lease. Like, listen, you want to use that gym? And I, if you're not going to be a good father, it's going to cost you. <laughs> I do think that that is well, and especially Robert needed to pay for that ridiculous earring that he got. So he, he clearly needed to up the rent. Yes, the dangling earring. Oh, I, I that 
was borderline offensively stupid. I don't think that was in style at any time. You no. Know, All right. So it was just to call attention to it. I know. Like, ooh, he got an earring. Like, that was at a time when that would have been shocking. Yes. Robert got an earring. I mean, he's he's also smoking. The movie treats the earring like more like like a more shocking thing than he's out there you know, smoking. <laughs> Which one is worse for you? Yeah. Exactly. All right, I don't. I actually that that's it because some of my other ones, the bus, and some of the other ones I've, we've already covered. So I'm 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 done on questions. All right, I just have one last one, and it's right. just I, I I'm curious about some backstory because when uh, Robert meets this girl, we never really talked about his love interest. The, what's her name? I forget her name. I do too, and it does uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean they're all friends in the end. But I mean, it's more more than friends with her. It, and it is what I'm it's saying a, is she's part of that that group. Of we kind of glossed over the bullies in some way that they yeah. fight and then become friends. The director of Gotti and some goth kid and the girl. The director of Gotti. That's who he All is. right, ask your question. Come on. He that that moniker needs to be hung around his neck like a scarlet letter. He made that movie. Shame. <laughs> yes, he knows what he did. Shame. Get the bell. Yeah, get the bell. Um, so my question is: Robert comes down to tell his dad. He knows he made that. Yeah, he knows what he did. Um, oh, Jewel is her name, the girlfriend's name. So he runs down to the basement to tell, and this is when Rocky is showing Tommy all his stuff, his boxing stuff. Yep. He's like, Dad, I've met this girl. She's really great. She's way better than Sarah. So my question is, what's the story about Sarah? What's, the, what's wrong I with Sarah? I don't remember that line at all. Is that really? <laughs> he says, she's way better than Sarah. Well, and, okay, I'm, I, this is bad to answer a question with a question, but does Rocky Jr. think that... <laughs> Rocky would have had any idea who Sarah was. He's taken <laughs> no interest in his son to the point we don't know his name. Right. And I'm to believe that Rocky knows who Sarah is. He probably just called her the girl. If yes. he's the kid. <laughs> oh, my, the my girlfriend. My, my kid's girlfriend, the, the girl. girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's no way Rocky so, would remember her. Name. Yeah, my answer is there's there's no chance that anybody other than Rocky Jr. No, well, Adrian might, but Rocky, yeah. there's no way he knows who Sarah is. No. It doesn't matter anyway because he's not listening now. So he's just like, "Oh, that's great, kid," and then that's You're that's right. it. Makes so, it even worse. Yeah, he didn't know her Sarah's name then or now. You're right. Uh, but anyway, that's that's my last question. All so. right, should we move on to Silk Cozart? Yes, we shall. Oh, sure. y'all. Yes, y'all. Go back to the Silk Cozart Memorial Internet Research Corner, uh, which is the segment where I take some kind of deep dive into a tangential piece of internet trivia that uh, I was curious about after watching the movie, named after Silk Cozart, the actor in Eraser. So, there are a couple things I thought about looking into. I, I briefly thought about actually learning more about Don King and what his deal was. But, you know what? I, I don't actually care that much about boxing. Yep. Uh, so, I wasn't that interested about it. So, here's what I actually looked into. For whatever reason, a couple months ago, my mind was wandering at work. And then I, a thought occurred to me. And I said, what is the movie series that went the longest only numbering its sequels with no <laughs> subtitle? <laughs> this is just a thought that popped into my head. And I decided... After thinking through it, I said it might be Rocky, right? Rocky might be the series that goes the longest of the only numbers. This is amazing. <laughs> I mean, this is very me, right? I was, this is exactly the kind of thing I think about. You stole my line that this <laughs> is perfect yeah, for you. This is the kind of thing I think about. What is the longest running series that only has numbers in its, in its titles and doesn't have subtitles? I would guess the Godfather. Along those lines, there's probably some, but right, Godfather. I, it, it's an excellent question. Okay. I never would have thought of it on my own. So uh, please enlighten me and the audience. Okay. Well, if you had to guess, I'm going to ask you to guess two things. Number one, All do right. you think Rocky actually wins this competition? Yes I have no? a strong suspicion it does, so I'm going to say yes. Okay. And I'm going to tell you this. Let's just limit it to U.S. because I also have international. Oh, man. 
Southeast Asia loves their numbers when it comes to movie sequels. That I, I can see. I learned this. The, the, the winner, by leaps and bounds, is uh, it comes out of Southeast Asia. It's, it's, it's an enormous number. Do you think you want to guess what that means? When I say an enormous number, what, what movie series in, worldwide, how high do you think that number goes? 20. That's very, 19. Wow. So the winner internationally, it's a movie called, it's a series called Troublesome Night. It's a horror comedy series of films out of Hong Kong. There are 20 movies in the series. Troublesome Night, Troublesome Night 2, 3, 4, all the way to 19. And then the 20th movie changes it up and says, it's called Always Be With You. (laughs) (laughs) At number 20, they decided to switch it up. That is great. Um, so which, yeah, I, I found that very funny. All right, give me the U.S. I, all right, so U.S., you're saying that you think Rocky is... Ah, I'm going to go with it, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go for it. Okay. Um, We're going to need that button soon. So I have every single movie series that got to at least three. All right. Do you want a whole list, or how do you want to handle this? There's a 47-way tie for ninth place at three. There are 47 movie series that got to number three without a subtitle, and then they either ended or they started using subtitles. Let's go above the 47. Let's go above ninth place. You don't want to hear this list? Okay. How there's, fast can you get through it? I can rattle through these. All right. Fast. Just fire them off. Uh, there's, there's a lot of horror series. I, I kind of tried to group them by like, type, so yeah, I'll, I'll, start, I'll start with the horror series. All okay. Right. Child's Play. The Howling, Leprechaun, Stepfather, (laughs) Jeepers Creepers, Final Destination, The Grudge, Night of the Demons, Hatchet, Hostel, Insidious, Psycho, Return of the Living Dead, Troll, Friday the 13th, which started subtitling it starting with the fourth one, so that one I knew, Species, Atlas Shrugged. (laughs) What? Remember those that came out a couple years ago? No. They, They tanked. Nobody saw them. They made three of them, even though the first one tanked, because guess what? They couldn't, you know, they wanted to prove how superior their uh, point of view was. Uh, okay, Penitentiary, Sniper, Trancers, Cyborg Cop, which I love the second one. I know, you've told Cyber- me. Cyborg Cop 2 is great. Uh, Watchers, The Skulls, Smokey and the Bandit, Death Wish. <laughs> Death Wish 4 is called Death Wish 4 The Crackdown. I so. love the way you deliver that. Death Wish. <laughs> well, we talk about it a lot. House Party. The Hangover, Dr. Doolittle, Despicable Me, Kung Fu Panda, Cars, Open Season, The Karate Kid, Mission Impossible, because the fourth one's Ghost Protocol, Men in Black, fourth one's Men in Black International, Taken, Iron Man, Rush Hour, Transporter, The Expendables, Spider-Man, Superman, Beverly Hills Cop, Back to the Future, RoboCop, Jaws, The Godfather. Wow. So that's every movie series that got to at least number three. That it's was just only numerical. The Godfather Part 3, no subtitle or anything. All right. So now here's the top nine. There's a four-way tie with four. Paranormal Activity. Got to Paranormal Activity 4. And then the fifth one was called The Marked Ones, apparently. I never. I, I only saw the first three. Uh, Lethal Weapon. Four. Oh, I should have thought about that one, yeah. Toy Story. Yeah. Scream. Uh, that's it. Those are your four. All right. And then fives, there's a three-way tie for movies that got to number five without a subtitle. Oh, then Rocky does not have it. The three movies that got to five were Rocky, Beethoven. This is a little bit of a cheat. serious? I mean, they're technically not called Beethoven. Beethoven's second, Beethoven's third, Beethoven's fourth, Beethoven's fifth. I feel like that counts. 
I never, I never would have guessed there were that many of those. Well, I will say to be clear, I never went over my my uh, ground rules, but I any movie series that started in the theaters, I counted. So some of those are direct to video. Yeah, okay. But Beethoven, the original, came out in theaters, so I I considered it right. as eligible. So and then after Beethoven's fifth was Beethoven's Big Break and Beethoven's Christmas Adventure. <laughs> Christmas ape and Christmas ape goes to summer camp. <laughs> I'm sure the the direct-to-video Beethoven movies are Christmas ape level quality. Uh, and then five, uh, finally, it's Scary Movie. Got to Scary Movie 5 in 2013. It's, it's interesting. Scream only made it to four, and Scary Movie made it to five. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I never thought about it. But anyway. I mean, Scream is already kind of a parody-ish, so at that point of a parody of a parody yeah. they, there's almost no relation and the winner the american movie series that went the longest only numbering its sequels i never in a million years would have thought of this series i've seen the first one and that's it saw oh it got all the way to saw 6 and then it changed to saw 3d and then jigsaw which i think is like a reboot or something Wow. So Saw 6, only a number Saw 6. That's I should have known that it was going to be something in the horror genre. I also should have known, but I, I, when I was thinking about this a few months ago, by the way, it was unrelated to the podcast. I was just daydreaming at work, and I was like, the Friday the 13th series? No, that has subtitles, you know, and I was just like, the Bond movies obviously have their own you know, yeah. titles. I was just trying to think of like long-running series. No, Star that, Trek, they all have subtitles. That's uh, That was an interesting Silk Cozart. Yeah. I never would have guessed that. Congratulations, Saw 6. You've won something. Because <laughs> normally movie series, they get self-conscious. Like, we can't just keep numbering these. At some point, it gets kind of ridiculous. You're kind of like calling yourself out. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Just keep cranking them out. Exactly. Nope, Saw 6, they didn't care. No. Saw 6, I don't know. It's a, here's another one. <laughs> so there you go. That was my silk code for this episode. All right. Hopefully that was interesting. It was interesting to me. It was interesting to me. I don't know about the listeners. Okay. We're really doing this for ourselves. I found anyway. it interesting researching it. I don't know how interesting it was to listen to, but there you go. All right. Now, All right. while we're here. Body count. This movie we only killed forty-eight people compared to the last one that we killed one hundred and nineteen. The big goose egg on this one. So where does that put the numbers? Yep, as usual, the, the Rocky movies are, are all goose eggs for Stallone. Anyway, there's occasionally a body, but Stallone is never at fault. Nope, he's the hero. Um, that's right. So anyway, this is the segment where we're comparing Arnold Schwarzenegger's body count to Sylvester Stallone. Although being the hero in an action movie actually doesn't mean <laughs> that's true. Not yeah, bodies. he's the hero in Rambo too, and that's he's true. dropping plenty of bodies. Yes. Uh, anyway, Arnold had an average body count of 14.76. Goose egg for Rocky, or for Stallone in this one, so he's still at 394 across 34 movies, which gives him an average of 11.59. Uh, but he is still on pace to beat St- uh, Arnold in the total overall bodies. Arnold had a total body count of 546, although that is now we were, this is our first episode of recording after seeing Terminator Dark Fate. Although I don't know if he really, not to spoil anything, but I don't think it's too too high. We can't. We shouldn't spoil anything. But Arnold's Arnold's number has now moved. I think it's fair to say. At the very least, his average has moved because he got one more movie in his belt. Uh, well, yeah, will and because most since the T since the Model One Hundred One became the hero. I mean, even in T Two, he got the directive right. Sure, zero point zero. So he's, yeah, he's really just fighting. The Rev 9, so I, uh, I doubt that... I think that number's going to go down. Yeah, I'm going to have to recalculate his average, because that number has has been static for a couple of years now. 14.76, we've well, said it over and over. He's got a new movie. He's got a new movie, so that number has changed. So, But his, his total body count probably has not changed. His total, I think it's fair to say Arnold's total body count is, 14, is 546. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think what you said is correct. I don't think that's too spoilery to say. No, the Terminator has been instructed again not to kill anybody. Uh, but anyway, so Stallone is now on pace 
to hit a total body count of 603. So still ahead of Arnold's 546 yeah, by we'll a decent see. margin. We'll see how it goes. Let's move on to the Wrecking Crew Award. Yep. Outstanding achievement All right, the segment of the show where we award our Wrecking Crew Award to the character who wrecked the most shop in the movie. Yeah, I know who I'm giving it to. I know who I'm giving it to. I wonder if we secretly have (laughs) the same person. I wonder if we do. Uh, Is it it a character who never appears on screen? Yes, Okay, we both give it to the unnamed accountant. (laughs) I am Paulie's accountant (laughs) choice. That is outstanding. It's the only choice. It really is. Forget you, Duke. Forget you, Tommy Gunn. That accountant just wrecked, he wrecked the shop. Rocky's life, of course. He, yeah, he wrecked Seiko everything. the robot is gone. The motorcycle is gone. Yeah, he leaves a swath. We never see him, but we feel his presence. The damage in that guy's wake is astonishing. I think this must be the only, the first and probably only time we will ever do this. Where we give it to a character <laughs> who is never seen on screen. Yeah, you're right. There's no way this will be repeated because we've occasionally given it to given it to real people, like the filmmakers or the actors or something. But this is a character who we never see. We never learn his name. Yes, but he wins. He's, he's like Rocky Junior, just the kid, the accountant. Yes. Do we know it's a he? Even I don't even. No, I, we don't. I'm being presumptive. Yeah, well, I'm, no, they might refer to the gender. They might. I. They, That's what I, I, I just occurred to me. Like, are we presuming that it's a he? I'm not sure. No, I think there may be a reference. Maybe that you know he did this or whatever. Yeah, I so. think he, probably. All right. All right. Let's move on to rating. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, no, no. You don't understand. He was bad-mouthing my film. Segment of the show where we rate the movie based on Rocky opponents from Apollo Creed to Spider Rico. So I'm sure I'm giving this a higher rating than you. So. It, is, it is a higher rating. Uh, you may have talked me into a higher rating than I have written on the paper here. Oh, good. Which well, you talked me down on ICU, so it's only fair. Yeah, so I, I did give this one a Tommy Gun, but I, I might have even talked this through. I might, I, I'm willing to move it up to, to a Mason Dixon. That's right. A victory for the Rocky Five Defense Force. I'll take it. <laughs> it's, it's, is that. Do you, right. do you have I'm any, doing my part. That's the, that's, I'm, I'm that kid in Starts with Troopers. Do you, do you have like uniforms and everything? The uh, Rocky I'd, Five Defense Force. I would print some. I'd make some if uh, I don't. Know, you don't print uniforms, but I'd sew some up if all I right, could. Well, all right. well, let me hear what your rating is on this. Bad I, boy. I also give it a Clubber Lang. I, the, oh I was, no, you're higher than me. Then I went up to Mason Dixon. Oh, I thought you said Clubber Lang. No, I thought Mason you, Dixon. Okay. Well, that's less of a victory then. That's a. Well, I was at a Tommy Gun. Okay. You got me to move it up. All right, fair enough. But yeah, I did, you're right. I, I, I did give it higher. I give it a Clubber Lang. I'm pretty sure I gave Rocky three a Clubber Lang, and we'll see how I feel about Creed two the next time I see it. But I think those are going to be the only three that I have any That's kind of mixed, mixed feelings about. Because I'm I'm excited to get to Rocky Balboa, a movie that I love. I'm excited to get to Creed, a movie that I adore. I really enjoyed Creed. I don't remember liking Rocky Balboa that much, really? so that's going to be an impression. I, oh, I, I don't I remember really disliking like it. it, but I don't remember that you're saying you love Rocky Balboa. I, I, it's it's probably my third favorite Rocky huh? movie after Rocky and Creed. I think next is Rocky Balboa. I know I really enjoyed Creed. So yeah, so I mean that there's smoother sailing ahead as far as the Rocky series is concerned, at least. So th- this would be my last uh, Clubber that's Lang a given, in a while. without a doubt. Yeah, but you know, Clubber Lang is a positive. I I definitely like this movie more than most people. I think that's fair to that's, say. That is fair. So okay, all right. So that's the that's the show. That is the show, and uh, we're halfway through this season. So as usual, after. 
our mid-season Rocky, we always take a short break. It might be a little longer this time than usual. Uh, I have a different work situation than I had last time we uh, were in this situation, so we may need a longer break. Yeah. I'm fully taking the blame for this. This is all on me. That's fair enough, but the good news is is we still crank out some material to just be some sort of strange bonus episode ideas that yeah. we come up with. We're talking about what we're going to do. I don't think we're ready to announce yet, but expect some bonus episodes over the next few weeks. Um, you know, we've got some ideas. Yeah. So short break. It's, you know, we'll be back with the rest of this season soon, but not as soon as usual. I think it's fair to say. Well, if you enjoy the show, please like us on your podcast app of choice and write us a favorable review or an unfavorable review. I'll take any review. How about that? Uh, and if you'd like to give us, I won't, If you Keep your like, thoughts to yourself if you don't like the show. If you'd like to engage with us, you can find us on Twitter at Arms Race Podcast. And if you also like Rocky Five like I do, and you have friends who also like Rocky Five, come join in the Rocky Five Defense Force and uh, tell them to listen to our <laughs> you podcast. Get some uniform yeah. that gets printed. I will. I will start the club. If I was on Facebook, I'd start like some kind of Facebook group or something. But since I despise Rocky Five Defense Force, I, I mean my my desire to defend is, is Rocky Five might might trump my hatred of Facebook. So maybe I should start a Facebook group saying, "Join if you like Rocky is this, Five. Is this Rocky Five Defense Force? Is this like Fox Force Five from Pulp Fiction? Sure. Yeah, catch up. That's the show. So we'll be we'll be back with a bonus episode. Or did you want to? No, that's it. Okay. Come full circle, now you're home Without the gold, without the chrome This is where you've always been You had to lose so you could win Rise above your troubles while you can Now you can love, now you can lose, now you can choose That's the mother of a man Whoa, we thought the price was L.A. I can't believe it, we just come up on the roof, will you? Hey, you know, he just landed there and crashed, and what, who do you think it is? Do I hear reindeer on my roof? You know, uh, Rantlers, and unbelievable, it's like a billion, whoa!